Today is Friday, March 17th, 2023. Happy St. Patty's Day. You're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast, and I'm your host, Nate. So, let's talk about <laughs> persecution and oppression of Christians. Uh, persecute us harder. Um, you'll see what I mean by that in a minute. Uh, homeschool versus Christian private schools. Is it sinful to send someone to a public school if you're a Christian? And then we talk about the gospel in four minutes. And after spending about 40 minutes um, explaining the basics of Christianity to someone who uh, has never really been brought up in that and has no idea what Christianity is, turns out they have a very deep-seated hatred hatred for Christianity and the God of the Bible. So uh, they know very much what Christianity is, and they hate it. Um, Anyway, so little things bother me more than bad faith actors. So um, stay tuned for that. Also, as always, you can check out the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon. The link is in the description. And you can check out the Ask a Christian store to buy merchandise to facilitate discussions about Christianity and the hope you have and why you have it. And you can just outright support us, which would be super great, on the very top link in the description because computers aren't cheap and bandwidth is not cheap and storage is not cheap. So um, no one's going to accuse me of uh, having having a G6 or being a millionaire, but it would be super awesome to show your support and help the Ask a Christian podcast by, um, you know, supporting some equipment that is quickly getting outdated. So enjoy the discussion. And (laughs) if if I seem a little off, uh, a little space-brained, speaking of bad equipment, um, I'm smashing buttons behind the scene and nothing is working. And then all of a sudden it just dies and I can't even close down the own room. So it's probably been invaded by a horde of internet trolls at this point. So uh, yeah, better equipment would certainly be beneficial. So um, it's not going to affect you listening to the podcast unless I seem a little scatterbrained more than most. But yeah, I'm like secretly behind the scenes, like smashing buttons and trying to use controls that are not working. So anyways... God bless you, everyone. Good morning, Mac. How's it going? Uh, good. Anything on your mind this morning? Um, yeah, I had a kind of unpleasant conversation with Matt Yester uh, about um, his style of apologetics. Now, I think he's fine. Like, I think that everything he did was was all right. Um. <clears throat> But my my contention is um, when the atheists say, "Well, you just want to you want people to be enslaved," or "Well, you just worship a, a terrible god who who killed the whole world," I my tendency is to give them what they want and say, "Yeah, he did murder the whole world," or not murder, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, he did kill the whole world. Uh, yeah, he did. He does allow people to be enslaved. Um, that's his rule. Those are his rules, and you should obey. You should obey him. You know, and and then he thinks that that is a terrible apologetic. They'll never get anywhere. But at the end of the day, like the explanation is not for it is is not for God's bent or it, it's 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 up to us to obey rather than for us to be owed an explanation as to why God does what he does. Correct or no? Yeah, ult- I mean, ultimately, you know, roll with a pack or go to hell, I guess. Uh, it's kind of mixing analogies. But I mean, I, I, I know, I mean, you know, people's styles would be different. Like I wouldn't fault people for really having their own style. Cause I mean, e- even if there's styles you agree with, there's still styles that, you know, 
if you have two people that you you actually agree with mac and <clears throat> it could just be like a preference like boring so theologically if you agree like if matt said everything you agreed with you know one matt could read uh, you know could like talk very monotone and boring and another one could sound like a rabbit on crack like myself and uh, <laughs> you could just think well that, that style rubs you the wrong way and uh, you know so i try to give some grace um but I mean, it's, it's, it's stylistic, right? So some things work on some people. I mean, there's the end of the day where, you know, what God says is God's going to get, that's going to happen. So just, you know, people can say might makes right. Um, I'd say, you know, in the case of God and Christian belief might makes right. Uh, but God is also right. Like right is also right. And God is both. But for people that don't see it that way and refuse to see it that way, well then just fall back on might makes right. Like, you know, I think you're wrong. I think, you know, right is right. And God is right. And God has might, but Worst case scenario for the way they're looking at it, yeah, might makes the way things are. So you got to deal with that. Um, yeah. you, you have no other choice. Um, you but, know. Uh, you know, I, I also don't mind like explaining to people because a lot of times people just have misconceptions, right? Like when, when they're mad about God killing the whole world, I mean, look at in the flood, at least look how it's described. Like it says no one was unrighteous except for like eight people in the entire world, right? Because it was like, you know, they were they were mixed with like, you know, demons and the fallen angels. Well, and I don't and I don't believe that. I mean, it's not that I don't believe that. It's that it's that I, I I have hard time believing that the coyotes and the and the uh, you know the um, you know elephants and the uh, and the babies were unrighteous. I just think it's God's world. He can destroy them if they he wants to. You know, they were unrighteous well, in the sense that in the sense that God deemed them to be so. But I think that an atheist could plausibly plausibly bring up that objection and then i could just say well like listen like at the end of the day you just have to obey him and if you don't like that explanation then you're gonna like but you you're gonna see after you die you know that you're gonna be in a lot of trouble yeah see i think it's well, yeah, more I mean, than a style maybe, maybe though, they would have well, right well, maybe I mean, they would have hang on well no the, the reason i'm bringing this up is that well, hang on hang on hey, wait 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 oh, no, i'm not gonna speak so, I mean, maybe yes. you'd have a point about the animals, but as far as the claim in the Bible, like, you know, we believe the Bible or we don't, we can't get around the claim. It says no one was unrighteous. So whenever, you no know, one was righteous, huh? No one was righteous. <laughs> right. So, Sorry. so, so, so the, so the claim in the Bible is, you know, uh, all the people at least, I don't think it mentions the animals, but I mean, you know, people kill animals for food. So the, the hypocrites, um, anyways, but as far as the people go, it says only the people who were saved, like eight of the entire world. Uh, you know, we're okay in God's eyes. So that means even the little baby half demons or whatever, like some way the Bible says they were all wicked and evil. So there's, so there's the claim of the Bible. It's like, well, do you believe the Bible or not? And I mean, if you're an atheist, you're probably not. But I'm like, the claim is still there. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, look, God killed all these people because your Bible says it. And then say, what about all those little innocent people? And there had to be innocent people. Well, no, the same way you're saying my Bible says God, you know, flooded the whole world and took everyone to eight people out. It also says everyone was wicked and evil except eight people. So it doesn't matter how they reconcile that in their brain. That's the claim of the book. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah. So I yeah, think so it's beyond I think the, it's the style. Oh, Mac, you might want to mute up here. I'm hearing myself. Oh, yeah, you got to mute, Mac. You, I think. Um, yeah, so I think it's beyond just the style because the implications of a view that says that whatever God says to do is good leads you to, if God tells you to go and commit genocide on another group of people, which he did in the Old Testament, What's to stop us from doing that? And what's to stop people from saying, well, God said to do it, so I'm going to fly airplanes into buildings. 
God said to do it, so I'm going to stone people. God said to do it, so right. So there's, there's real problems well, with just I, saying with just saying God said do it, and I'm going to do it, right? I mean, we we don't want that. I don't think. I don't think you any. I don't even think Christians, Christians well, want the that. The Bible is complete, um, though. The Bible is complete. Well, well, you don't have God telling people after the Bible has been written that you don't have like a special extra revelation because it, in that if that were true, then there would be a whole bunch of Christians now in hell because they don't have all of God's revelation. But Jeff, um, I mean, you know, what you what you said is I think you know it has to be inflammatory, but you're not immune from this either. Like, you know, if you typically operate under the premise of the greater good, look look around. You have people pushing for it to, you know, suppress and oppress and persecute different minorities of groups uh, because they see it's for the greater good. So I mean, we may as well, you know, insert God for Christianity, as you say. And what Max said, like, you know, there's no special revelation and, you know, there's no God not telling people to, you know, go go do genocide or anything like that. Like the Bible is closed. If you want to see what God wants, go read the Bible. Um, so no one is immune from from the scenario you present. It would just be instead of greater good or instead of God, replace that with a greater good. So the greater good of the Chinese people says we must persecute and oppress the Uyghurs for whatever reason, because they're such a threat. Um, or, you know, like Christians now, like in American, like, the, you know, the white Western liberals um, have it in their head that, you know, Christianity is bad and they're starting to, you know, oppress like Christians and like, you know, traditional Bible believing Christians uh, for the greater good, because, you know, it's like backwards thinking and blah, blah, blah. How can they believe in a God? that's so anti-science. And, uh, you know, now like freedoms of speech and things like that, they're starting to suppress people for the greater good. So just to point out, no one is immune from this. So it takes critical thinking. And in the case of Christianity, it takes, you know, knowing what you actually believe and why you believe it. So no one is, is going, going to, to biblically is biblically speaking be like, oh, God told me that I have to go like, you know, on a rampage against atheists and, you know, uh, behead them all. Like that's not going to happen because we have the completed canon, which says share the gospel. I was just reading this today. Share the gospel. And if people don't want to hear your message, shake the dust from your feet and leave them to their own fate. That's a long way from God telling people to kill people. Yeah, but I never said anything about the greater good. What I said that the problem is no, is I imposed you, that on you. That's what you're left with. Well, 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 no. How does that follow? Right? Because because technically, I, I, I'm I'm just I'm just pointing out the problem with the view that we should do whatever God says is good, we should do it. And when you see examples of genocide in the Old Testament. And you look around the world today and you see people like Westboro Baptist Church and you see, you know, Muslims flying airplanes in the village. Do we really, do we really want, do we really, do we really, do we really want people to have the view that whatever God says I should do, I'm, I'm going to do it irrespective of the impact it has on other people. Well, if that's why, I mean, if that's your view of God and Christianity, I mean, you know, I don't want to say it's good you're not a Christian anymore, but, um, you know, if, if you would take it that way, um, I would certainly hope if you still were a Christian, you wouldn't be one that's like, you know, getting it in your head to drink poison, to meet God on the mothership, or, you know, kill people because you think that's what God's commanding. So in that sense, I mean, I guess it's it's safe for humanity that you're no longer a Christian, if that's really what you think. I don't think that's really what you think, though, but you did conflate. No, you know, I'm saying talking, the you, well, hang, hang on, hang, wait, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be interrupted today. Like, I'm going to get a few words out of my mouth every now and then. So whenever you're, you're conflating God, clearly you're talking to a bunch of Christians about the Christian God, but then you throw in Muslims and airplanes just as an aside. So, you know, save that for them. But as far as, you know, if God tells you to do this, if God tells you to do that, well, I'd fall back to the first thing, which is, you know, read the Bible. God's not telling you to do anything conflicting, 
conflicting with the Bible. And when you bring up like, you know, genocide and all this other stuff, read the context. Um, so it's not like God's saying, hey, if you find unbelievers, you know, just go kill them all. That's far and away. Like these are people. It's like a you could look at it as like a preemptive, you know, like God having all this supreme knowledge. And it was like a preemptive strike. Uh, because otherwise, if they didn't take out these people and their cultures and everything, um, then that's going to happen to them. So the only person who could tell you that is God, because it's like it's like a, you could see it as a preemptive tactical maneuver. Anyway, that's the context. I'm not defending genocide or murder or anything like that. Like Mac would agree with. I don't care what God says. God's going to get. Uh, but just for the record, um, there's you know, God says this. God's going to get this. Deal with it versus also you can have a proper understanding just because it's there. But the greater good, Jeff, I, I impose that on you because you, you can't get away from it. Like you're trying to pigeonhole Christians and saying, well, you don't want people just to willy-nilly do whatever God tells you because God can tell you to kill people. Well, if without God, with an atheistic stance, you know, you're left with like the state or the greater good or some fallback, like, you know, substitute for God. Um, and that's where, I, Mac, you're going to meet again. Anyway, and that's where it goes. So, like, you'll do things not because God told you to, but because, you know, the greater good of humanity requires you to. Or because, you know, what other substitute for God requires you to do something? It's like, how do you decide, you know, like the train track thing? How do you decide to kill one person or five people? You'll typically say, the from a secular humanist standpoint, you'd kill the one to save the five because that's the greater good. You're saving the greater amount of humanity. Anyway, um, welcome. Yeah. Oh, just really quick, Nate. Really quick. Um the reason I brought this up was that when you're having these discussions with atheists, uh, it, it often becomes a game of theological whack-a-mole. And, you know, like you're constantly batting down their their kind of misconceptions or, or whatever. And at the end of the day, read the book, believe what it says, and obey God. You know, and, and like I don't need – you're not going to be convinced by my arguments because you already don't believe in God. So addressing the the litany of the whack a and of, of of you know fake arguments or playing the whack a mole game isn't going to be productive, but you know maybe if I can shock them out of their sin, uh, well God can you know what I mean? Um, then that'll be more effective. So I think the whack a mole game is something that I'm trying to you know caution against. Hey, hey Nate, can I ask a question? How does the uh, Christian sure. answer the How does the Christian answer the trolley problem? What is the Christian answer to the trolley problem? Uh, for I mean, different Christians. I don't want to speak for all of Christendom, but I think most of the ones when they hear what I'm about to say are kind of like, "Yeah, it sounds right." Um, you know, we believe as Christians we have God living with us, kind of guiding us and directing our steps. So uh, the only way to really know uh, the trolley problem is to rely on God. So you'd have to be in that scenario and be like, "Well, you know what? What am I inclined to do?" Like, I mean. Looking at the surface, you would probably want to choose to save the most people, um, you know, barring like, you know, family members in one or something like that. But all, all things being equal, you would probably want to go with the greater amount of lives saved. However, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, we believe God knows stuff that we don't. So what if the one person was going to be the next, uh, you know, the next like great evangelist that was going to lead millions and millions of people to a life in Christ and, you know, eternal bliss versus if you save five? Um, you know, three or four or all five of those would be the great, uh, you know, turn out to be the greatest evil the world has ever known. Then in that case, you certainly wouldn't want to save those five. So that's the kind of things like, you know, we wouldn't rely on our own judgment uh, on well, face value because it would be easy to say, save the most and, you know, get rid of the least. So at that moment, like if you're saying like right now you're thinking through it, but at that moment in time, 
you're going to be led by the spirit, led by your feelings. How would you differentiate in that moment between Satan tempting you to the wrong side and God telling you which to do? I know you would know if they both were there, you'd know which one was which. But if it was only one of them, how would you know this is Satan, the other one is God? Like, what would you do to say, I know that this is not God uh, asking me to pull the lever to save five people instead of one? So, like, That's how would you? That's a great question. So, again, I, I will try to play on your playing field, but without being in that situation, I would say it's akin to when people say, oh, how do you know you had this, you know, realization that Jesus is the right God and, you know, that Christianity is right. And, you know, it's not a demon from hell tricking you. My spirit bears witness. This is my judgment. Like, I trust myself enough to, you know, drive a car, to, you know, lock my doors, to, you know, do normal things in my life. Some people will admit, which I question, um, that, you know, they can't trust themselves hardly to do anything. Like, it has to be peer-reviewed for them to take a breath. Um, for myself and most of us, um, even non-spiritual people, we can trust our own judgment to a pretty good degree. Just like that in spirituality, yes, I, I and especially, you know, in this Christian walk, um, and the things that, you know, the Bible, I believe, has stuck out as true over and over. And it's just like, huh, huh. It's like, you know, when you get what I believe is the genuine thing enough over and over and over, then you can spot kind of like a counterfeit. Um, doesn't mean we're perfect. We're all fallen humans, you know, disclaimer. But it's like that. It's akin to that. It's like when people say, well, how do you know that Satan's not tricking you into following Jesus this whole time? And, you know, Shiva's the real God. Peace be upon him. Um, that's how I, I trust myself. I trust my experience to lead me to these right critical conclusions if you're on the track rab i like to think god would save you because he knows you're going to be a great rab someday oh very nice well the and thing is, like, just to address something in oh yes well i was going to point out like the the trick to this is that the train is going to hit five people unless you pull the lever and it will save it will then hit one so without you acting like the other answer would be well it was god's will that these five people die and my hand being here like, you know, am I changing the will of God in some degree? It would be kind of another weird way to put it, right? There's five people on the track. Who am I to change the will of this? Or the will of God is that you are there for just that time to, to do this. But I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in that part um, about the culpability, because it's like, well, if you do nothing this or if you do something this, the scenario, you're there, you can't get out of it. So like, you know, you're, you're guilty Agreed. by, you know, you're, you're guilty one way or another. If you stand there, it's like, well, I'm not doing nothing. Great. It's like, are you watching, you're just watching someone get hijacked and robbed at an ATM and you're just standing there like, oh, it's not my fault. Instead of like, you know, calling 911, trying to stop them, yell at them, scream at them, chase them away. So no, I, I don't put a lot of stock in that part of the scenario, whether or not you actually pull the lever um, or just stand by and watch people get ran over. Um, so I, I kind of discount that part because it's, it's a wash, sure. I believe. Yeah. Um, but but for Abba, um, you know, I mentioned Christians being oppressed in 2023. I guess we can define oppressed, but um, not like Uyghurs in China oppressed. But as far as far as you know, beliefs and you know, getting shouted down, like not welcome in colleges, universities, like part of the roundtable of discussions, diversity of thought, things like that. Like it's increasingly hostile, um, at least in America, speech-wise towards Christians and especially Catholics, like goodness, for some reason, like, you know, our president, peace be upon him, great leader, um, you know, the dear leader says he's Catholic, uh, you know, the previous speaker Pelosi says she's Catholic, but for some reason, like the, the federal government is going hard after Catholics um, for some reason, like, you know, legality and, you know, the IRS agents and all this stuff. Like, um, so, you know, um, I'm not Catholic, but still, you know, they claim to follow Christ and everything like that, just like I do. Um, but yeah, so I mean, 
you can't say they're not oppressed. I mean, you could say it's degrees or, you know, they're not being fed to lions yet. But um, to say that everyone's like, you know, equally and like, oh, yes, tell me more about your Jesus. Um, no, it's not not that way. So anyways, not trying to say we're on par with being, you know, slaughtered by the millions, but we're definitely not uh, all things being completely equal. Um, welcome, Chris. What's up, man? Oh, and Jesse, you were first. What's up, Jesse? Been a while. How's life? Hey, <clears throat> nothing much. I'm just hanging out. And uh, how are you? Good, good. Chris, you guys are talking about Abraham, right? Isaac sacrifice Isaac, or did I, or did I uh, miss something in between? Oh no, that never came up. <laughs> no, okay, my bad then. I misheard. <laughs> Morning, Chris. What's up? What's up? <clears throat> What's on your mind today? You know the <clears throat> trolley fallacy. Where do we start with this, Mac, now that we have some more people to talk? Um, let's see. You first started with um, – oh, there's also new people I don't recognize, so I want to talk to them. Maybe, maybe we'll do that before we come back to these people. Um, welcome, uh, don't Lou. worry about me. I'm, I got a mute. Okay. What Just a love? girl. I don't think I know you. What's up? <laughs> you do. It's oh. serendipity. <laughs> oh, you people are so mysterious. And like different profiles or I know, I know. It was born okay. out of it was born out of necessity not to mess you up. Were you were you oppressed, is that why? <laughs> totally and completely oppressed. Yes. <laughs> the short answer to that is yes. This is her new this her new personality because she's decided that she's a Calvinist now. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be open that oppressed, we could probably find a bet, maybe find a better word for oppressed, except, you know, the government and the Catholic thing, like that's kind of being, you know, strong-armed by an authoritarian regime, unless you don't see it that way. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'd be open to a, a different word. Um, anyways. Uh, Lou, were you speaking today? I did hear you for just a second. Well, I got on because I was on my break, but... Now it's about to be over like in two minutes, so it's not worth bringing anything up. But yeah, I have something in my mind. Oh, well, we'll say it, and then we'll talk about it. And get it all wrong while you're back at work. Well, I was just uh, reading um, the book of Enoch, and um, I just thought to myself, um, like, the big problem with it in my eyes from reading it is... It, it's 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 saying that the reason man has failed or f has fallen is because the angels came and did some things. Now that's that's contrary to scripture. That's very different. It's a different idea. The whole we can blame the angels for our our uh, our sin is pretty much what I got from it. And that's that, that's well, a totally different. Go ahead. Well, I mean, we can kind of. I mean, we can blame the devil who was an angel for, I mean, I guess a lot of sin, right? We can blame him for the ultimate evil in the world. So, I mean, I guess if we just extend that to other angels, I mean, I, I think that's a different place than where you were going. So this is me messing it up for you. But I mean. No, I mean, I think at the, the sin came at the garden. And that, that's that's what the Bible says. So it's very 
different from oh well well yeah i mean you know the devil tempted eve so you know would we bring blame eve for giving in the temptation or would we blame the devil for being the one to tempt her like i mean if the devil wasn't there maybe she would have got around to just eating the fruit all of her own in like a trillion years but um you know since the devil was there tempting her um is is he the problem um or is it Eve the problem because she should have resisted, resisted temptation? But if there was no one to tempt her, then she wouldn't have needed to resist. Uh, but then she could have eaten the fruit just all of her own. So anyway, uh, God good, devil bad. Well, actually, <laughs> if, if God hadn't have created Eve, then uh, sin wouldn't exist either. So it's kind of on, on God, too, there. So God bad, devil bad, Eve bad, everything's bad. Okay, hang on. I got to bring this into. All right, we're talking about this. I got to bring this into chat. Abba, feel free to join if you can. So, um, going along the lines of, you know, Abba disagrees that Christians are oppressed in 2023, and you know, just to set the record out, nuance that out. So it's like we're not being fed by lions yet, but um, you know, in in speech and communities and diversity of thought and forums and universities, um, Christians are being like censored, and especially like in Canada, right? Like the pastor got uh, arrested for quoting the Bible about you know the homosexuality stuff and like saying. Um, you know, what the Bible said. So for practicing a sincerely held religious belief, like quoting scripture, and in England, how, I mean, not America, but in England, how like they're outlawing it to read certain parts of the Bible. I don't know if it passed, but it was trying to be, become a law that you couldn't read certain anti-LGBTQIA plus parts of the Bible. Um, that would be hate speech, even though it was in a religious book. Uh, so I would say that, that's... Charges were dropped. Hate. What? Charges were dropped against David Lynn. Okay, great. Anyway, so and, and now you have people also in Canada who are being taken away from their parents, uh, kids being taken away from their parents who have religious convictions and don't want their kids to, you know, undergo like um, gender affirmation care and things like that. So because they're not wanting like their eight year old was a son to go to become a woman or be his true butterfly woman self um, there, they took him, the kids away. And uh, didn't the guy get locked up because of that, too? Like a guy got locked up in jail because of that. Anyways, the point is. If it's not oppressed, it's right up against there. And I know I said American, I'm citing Canada and England, but um, then you brought, I, you said, well, Christians aren't oppressed. Maybe there's a different word. And I said, I'm open to that. But then I said, what groups are oppressed? And you brought up LGBT and Q and people of color. Um, so I'm open to hearing an argument. But if we're going to say they're oppressed, we're definitely throwing Christians in that category too. Like it is like the time to shine for LGBTQI plus people. If you're a corporation, if you're in government, um, you are spotlighting these people and people of color in a very good way, in a very good light. And anyone that has any issue whatsoever so, with like gender affirmation care or things that are not inherently LGBTQI plus um, or people of color related, um, they're using that as a guise, I believe. And then they're saying it's persecuted and they're oppressed. So, for example, if you don't want if you don't want sexually explicit books in school talking about LGBTQIA plus issues and how boys can become girls and sexual positions and all this other stuff, because it's like incredibly graphic. I've seen this stuff like in my own county that they got removed. Thanks, DeSantis. Um, so if you if you want to then say they're persecuting the LGBTQIA plus community, that's completely wrong. Like no one is saying they don't want these books there because it teaches about alternative lifestyles and LGBTQIA plus issues. They're saying they don't want this stuff there, whether it's heterosexual, homosexual, cisgender, none of that, because it's incredibly graphic for eight-year-olds to see. Um, so Nate. then they're saying, well, that's – stop saying Nate, whoever's saying that. Well, I'm trying I just to get want to ask up. a question. Oh, sorry, sorry, so Rabbi. Get, 
It's all right. It's Sorry, right. Anyways, we, anyways we, we've the, got the point ah, of Anyways, so they use that as a guise to say, we're persecuted, you're persecuting us, when that's not the reason at all. Okay, go ahead, Rob. Okay, so my question is, Nate, so Christians pretty much monopoly Western culture for a millennia. Why do you think it changed? Because Christians were running everything. Christians were the, you know, massive majority up, like, you know, you can say everything. And through the, like, through the 1990s, 2000s, you have everything. So what who's to who's responsible in your eyes that was like at one point christians are holding on to it why did they why did they screw up if they were holding on to it why did christians fail well fail is interesting so i mean i guess we're topic topic switching now but first of all the, the country wasn't founded as atheist likes to remind us as a christian nation there are a lot of christians there are a lot of people that believed in god but there are also plenty of deists who didn't believe christianity they just believe, you know, some intelligent force set the world into motion. You can hardly call them Christian. So we were never a Christian country, but there were a lot of Christians. So that's I think that's the reason. So it's not like Christians controlled it. There was never a theocracy. Um, it was, you know, the republic government that we have where it's freedom of religion, by the way, not freedom from religion. So everyone can practice what they want. And, you know, since the large majority of people who came here were from Europe and had a Christian view, um, that's why. And then as more people, because we're not oppre we're not oppressing other people as a government, as a country, as a theocracy, um, we're letting other people practice their religion. So it's only natural that as more people from more countries who aren't Christian come in and integrate into society, um, then there's less and less Christian dominance because we're letting more and more people practice whatever they want to practice or not practice. And over time, that crept into our schools, our government, um, and I think that's the reason. So I don't think Christians okay. failed because so, Christians so never what, had a goal. Well, wait, then the Christians failed be, because if you had deists that were forming the country, we'd have to go back to like 1600 then and say, why were Christians failing at convincing everybody that Christianity, the triomni God and the, uh, the Trinity is the only God that there is? Like, why would you switch to deism? So in that sense, is that where Christians failed? What? No, I'm not saying Christians switched to deism. I'm saying like, was it? I'm going to mess up some of these names, but it's like like Franklin or Jefferson or, or, who, or whoever. Like some of the founding fathers, it's not like they were Christian and then switched to deism. They were always deists. They were they were never Christian. Like even even like what is like the Jefferson Bible? Like kept some of the moral stuff and like took out pretty much all the supernatural stuff. Um, and and was, I think it was like the Jefferson Bible. So I mean, it, no, like the founding fathers weren't like, oh yes, Jesus, the Trinity, and now I'm a deist. They they never believed that. They were always a deist. They always just believed that. Sure, but they were trained in schools with religious. I mean, they're at some point they were taught this or they weren't taught Christianity enough. So why did Christianity fail to teach people correctly? Oh, well, that would be like you and me. I mean, you know, maybe you didn't go to a private Catholic school, but plenty of atheists did. So, I mean, did God fail? Did the nuns slapping them in the wrist fail? Did bad theology fail? Or were they just a bad kid and were smoking in the bathroom instead of being a part of the religious class? Like, who knows? There's there's all kinds of ways to mix and match that combo. Well, I guess it would be the, did God fail? Like, did, if God's, like, in the sense of, if this is his goal, is to have people, like, start moving away from Christianity, then the, everyone's doing the right thing at this point. I think Chris would be on board with, yeah, this is going according to his plan. Of course it's going according to his plan. 
because it can't well, not go according to his plan. Well, I don't disagree with you, but I'm I'm wondering, like, I mean, we've fully left the original topic at this point, which I guess is fine because no one else wanted to talk about it anyways. But I would say, yeah, like, I, I don't disagree. Like, what God wants to happen is going to happen. But that's, I mean, that's not God failing. And you can go back to what Jeff was talking about earlier. Um, Read the Bible. So there's no new revelation happening. It's all done. So, you know, the Bible makes the claim, hey, the world's going to get better before Jesus comes back and makes it, or the world's going to get worse before Jesus comes back and makes it better. And, you know, broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many are on that path. So, I mean, if if everything was going good and more and more people were becoming Christians and Christ followers, then that would be evidence against the Bible. Um, but as the world seems to get worse and worse, and, uh, you know, more and more people are becoming apostates or, you know, saying they're Christian in name only or stuff like that, the Bible is, is kind of right. It's like, you know, narrow is the path and few who find it. Um, well, but it so it I seems don't disagree with what you're saying. But I'm confused. You seem to be, it seemed that your voice and your inflection was one of worry that Christians were being more and more persecuted, according to you, and that it, feel, it felt like you were trying to make an argument that this is something that's problematic, when in actuality, it's exactly what you should be hoping for, because you'd want more and more Christians to be persecuted, because it kind of means the end is nigh, right? So oh, well this feels like you want all of this to happen because it's better and better. In fact, if everyone was a Christian, it would go against the Bible, just as you just said. So isn't this like all better? This. Uh, well, so he's, he's got us on that one, Nate. He's got us on <laughs> that one. Well, well, he, he, well, he would if I didn't agree with so much of what he was saying. So um, as far, first of all, you would have all of your premise would have to be true for that to be true. And then I would agree. So does it mean that it's going, the end is nigh, the more Christians are persecuted? Not necessarily. Ultimately, um, we think it's going to go that on that trajectory. However, you know, Christians in the first century church were persecuted hardcore. That doesn't mean the end came. So, no, I'm not I'm not happy about, you know, the idea of being persecuted. And I'm not in a, in a rush to be like, persecute me, persecute me. Um, so it's because there's no guarantee that that's the end. Um, when when the end starts to come, I think it will look a lot more like that. But that could be 10,000 years. So there's no reason for Nate to be persecuted right now. Um, with a bunch of his fellow Christians, um, if the end is actually not for another couple thousand years. So that premise would have to be right to be true, in the, and I'd agree, but there's just no way to know that. Um, and no, it wasn't like a, a worry tone. It was more of like, you know, let's be accurate. So, um, and, and this all stemmed from, I think, before you were here, before you hopped on our stage, um, when Jeff was talking about, you know, it was one of the things that I think you came on the last part that hopefully would make you cringe because it's just a bad, bad argumentation. And it's like, well, you know, you wouldn't want to just do what God says, because what if what if God tells you to kill someone? Then you're going to go kill them because God said that. Right. Because the voice is in your head. Like that's where it's, that's where it was going. That's where the whole thing stemmed from. And then we got into like oppression and different groups and things like that. And he was acting like a, and we were comparing it with the greater good. And he was acting as if Christians are like, you know, the slave drivers and everything like, bro, look, the tables are turning. I'm like, Christians are being more oppressed than less oppressed. Like it's, and I know Abba disagrees with the terminology, but comparing the other groups that he did, I'm going to keep using oppressed. Um, so that, that's where it came from. So it wasn't like, oh, stop persecuting me or persecute me more, daddy. Um, it was more like, well, this is just factually how it is. We see this happening in the news all the time. Um, there you go. Can you never, ever say persecute me more, daddy, ever again? Can we just strike that? I kind of liked it. Okay, we're done. I'm so tempted that I'm being. Oh my gosh. What? Oh my gosh. Oh, 
You have... <laughs> What'd she say? I'm gonna be <laughs> She's good. being tempted. <laughs> I'm gonna be good. Oi. Um... <laughs> So it sounds like wow. sounds like Nate is disagreeing with the Bible that uh, that it's not a sign of the end times when Christians are persecuted. Well, so so we well, no, it's a, well, hang, hang, uh, hang on, it, it's a sign, but it doesn't mean that's the only sign. Well, yeah, what Chris is going to say, but no, I'm I'm saying there's different things. Christians have been persecuted all throughout history, but the end hasn't came. So it's like you know, all all fingers are. All thumbs are fingers, not all fingers are thumbs. So yes, it could be a sign of the end times. That doesn't mean every single time Christians are persecuted, the end is near, though, because it hasn't been. Go ahead, Chris. Nope. Uh, well, hang on, I interrupted Chris. Sorry, Chris. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, so... Look, every Christian generation has thought they are <laughs> the last generation. Let's face it, okay? So this is, this is a common Christian contention that they are going to be the last generation and it's been 2000 years. And so what we have learned, because you have to learn from your mistakes is that, uh, there, the idea of signs of the times, um, according to the eschatology I subscribe to, there are no signs of the times. The end will happen instantly and with no warning. So like when Jesus talks about like, he comes like a thief in the night, like that's instantly a no warning. And so we don't, we don't think like, oh, there's an earthquake here and there's a war here and they're not, we, I don't think that stuff because I think that's part of an unstable kind of mentally ill type of Christianity that my mom subscribes to. Um, she is quickly, she's actually moving away from that after 40 years of that type of, you know, looking at the blood and all that stuff. Well, she's, she's been, she's finally actually studying the scripture after so long um, of relying on her feelings and what God may be telling her, things like that. So, um, you know, you'll notice that I have a, a particular aversion to certain types of word, faith, and charismatic Christianity. And the reason for that is that my mom has literally been in this place where she hasn't bothered with actual Christianity, she's been bogged down in nonsense for a very long time. So can I, I, I'm going to go against, against the uh, definition of oppression here that you mentioned before. If I say you're no longer in, or Christians aren't in a privileged position, is that equivalent to oppression? No, of course not. No. Because like, for example, if I said, look, I don't care if you're reading the Bible. I don't care if it's a passage. We're not going to talk about the issue of horses, right? We're just not going to read those passages in a school. It's not appropriate to read Ezekiel 23:20 in a school setting. Would that be a reasonable thing to put on, or that be oppression of Christianity to say you can't read that verse? I would say that would never happen by the fact that um, I don't believe we could find a source that that has ever happened. I think if people are like, hey, you're oppressing me for not reading the Song of Solomon to a third grade secular class, um, that that would never happen because it hasn't happened. Because even Christians would preempt that and be like, hey, you know, the Bible is full of lots of stuff, but we don't think certain things are appropriate, uh, you know, for ages of kids. So, like, you know, I, I haven't, as demonstrated. So, I mean, you ha- you would never get to that place because we do a pretty darn good job of policing ourselves. So, it's like Christians right. instinctively, as a group, are just like, hey, let's not read, you know, all the stuff in the Bible. 
And, you know, Christians haven't even pushed push for reading the Bible. They're just like, hey, have it as a book in a library shelf, just like all the other literature. Like, we shouldn't mandate Bible reading in the class. And, they're, you know, we're, I guess, too peaceful about this by policing ourselves and not being unreasonable. So then when other people are like, no, no, let's definitely have books with graphic. I think it should be read in class. Okay, well, there's Mac. But there's people who, with, like, graphic uh, depictions of kids with sexual bents that they're wanting to give to kindergartners. And then the Christians are like, hey, guys, we, we do kind of see a problem with this. The same way we don't want our own book pushed on people, which is much more tamer than this, but talks about, you know, the Song of Solomon stuff. So we don't want this done either. Uh, it's not it's not a philosophy thing. It's not a sexual preference thing. It's a too much for kids this age thing. So if a non-Christian group said we're going to read various biblical passages in kindergarten, you would say, whoa, let's confirm there are the right biblical passages. We're not going to allow that in our kindergartens necessarily. You would you would object. You'd actually stand there and confirm you'd want to verify it was the right biblical passage. Actually, yes. If someone's like, hey, we're going to read the excerpt from the Song of Solomon where it talks about, you know, like whatever, like the breast or like hills or mountains or what, whatever the stuff. It's been a while since I read it. But, you know, there, there, there's... There, yes. there's but maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing up two books there. Anyways, but like, but like the Song of Solomon has some stuff that I, I would be like, well, no, don't read that to a kindergarten class. Like that's, that's first of all, they're not going to understand. It's not going to make sense. And the parts that they would understand is not for them to be understood yet. So no, don't, don't read the Bible. But also... Don't throw in an excerpt from Satan's manual either. Just, you know, none of it. But, I mean, if they want to say, hey, we're going to read this part in the Bible that talks about Jesus and the Golden Rule, I'll be like, well, I wouldn't mandate it, but if you're going to read it, I'm, I'm not going to object. Sure, go for it. But if they're going to, like, they're going to be like, well, we're also going to read a, a passage from the tale of Baphomet, I'll be like, well, uh, let's, let's not do that. I have some problems with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just takes people to be reasonable which I guess is a very unreasonable position in this day and age. So Chris, what's yeah, your favorite I mean, excerpt from the Song of Solomon? <laughs> um, your teeth are like goats on the green mountains. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that just means he has white teeth. Um, but let, let me let me turn it back this way, Rab. It, was it oppression when the Christian worldview is regularly being taught in public schools? Like, just yes. Okay, so it was oppression. So, so then well, yeah. would it be oppression that the Christian worldview is no longer being taught in Christian along with no. other worldviews? It should none of those. Can you be taught, can you help me so. with that? Can you help me understand that? So. So the Christian, let's, let's make sure we're verifying the Christian worldview taught. So I, I was, I am of an age, I am of an age that in North Carolina, we're the same age. So we would open, yeah, we would open the school. We would open kindergarten with a prayer is literally what we would do in a public school. We would open it with a prayer. So that, and they would discuss, we'd have Christmas shows, and everything, and I learned zero about any other religion. The only religion, as far as I knew, in all of my experience, was strictly Christian. So in that sense, do I believe that was oppressive to anyone of any other faith or non-faith? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, right? That's, that's without a doubt. That's oppressive. 
Would not doing that be oppressive to Christians? Did we block, do we currently block children from praying before they come to school? No. Do we block I'm them from praying about after actions, they complete dude. school? I'm talking no. about worldview. Yeah. That's kind of my point is that's the worldview being quote unquote taught. If it's just a comparative study of religions, meh, no big deal. That's across the board. But I don't think Christians want a comparative study of religions that puts Christianity on equal footing with other religions. That seems like a bad. Well, yeah, my personal view is, is I agree with you, but maybe for different reasons. So first of all, I'd say that that was kind of weird to get oppression by the negation. So that, that's a weird way. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it's oppression. Like Abba says in chat, like if, if people lose privilege, is that like um, oppression? I, I'd say no. Or like by by Christians, you know, having a privilege and, you know, praying in school or whatever, reciting the whatever, uh, praying in school like you did. Um, then if you take that away, is that is that oppressing them? I'd say no. Um, I'd say by Christians praying in school, is that necessarily oppressing other religions? I would have a hard time. That That's like would be oppression by negation. So I would I would say like Abba recommended earlier, there might be a better word for this scenario because I wouldn't see that as oppression. It's like you're omitting them. So so it right. would be it would be a bad thing, but it would it, it wouldn't be oppressing. I think oppressing is like someone actively doing something, not doing something by omission. But right. I, no, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Christianity taught in my public school. I wouldn't want a comparative religion taught in school because you know as we see day in and day out, there's so many denominations of even Christian that. I don't want it to be like, oh, my teacher is going to, you know, give a representation of Christianity. And, uh, you know, by the way, they're a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, wait, why? Um, so or Chris may be like, no, no, they're they're not a five point Calvinist. No, I don't want. So, no, I don't want any. I don't think any religion should be taught comparatively or even mine. Um, and then I'll go a step further and say if I was a guest speaker and could teach my own brand of Christianity, um, I mean, on one level, I would have you know, a hard time saying no to an open invitation, but I see the dangers of that. Um, so I, I would probably bow out and say, no, no, um, across the board, no. Let the parents teach their own kids about whatever they think is, is right or whatever comparative religious study they want to teach. Um, that shouldn't be a place for it. Just like school should be a place for the fundamentals of education, reading, writing, math, not gender studies, not gender affirmation, not religious indoctrination uh, by anyone, by anything no, just go get the fundamentals. It shouldn't be like a higher philosophy um, of some like, I, I don't know, some other like theory um, at grade school. That That's my position. I'm agreeing with all that, right? I don't have a problem with not teaching those things. Like you're not going to, you know, pin me down on that side. But I think if I just told you, hey, every day we had to go to school and it turned out our school was in a predominantly Muslim area and every day despite me being Christian, they were having us do the call to prayer and would go down for 30 seconds to do bow on the ground and to say the prayer to Allah. Would you call that oppression just because they happen to be doing that? They're not telling me I can't do my religion, but they're having me do the actions of this other religion. Would that be? See, this is where it becomes a sticky wicket because the line of, of coercion versus freedom is, yeah, I mean, it's no different than people crying about, you know, the, the coaches, uh, you know, the football team is praying on the field. Like if they're like, hey, we're we're freely going to pray, um, you know, it's it's prayer time. So if you want to, if you're agnostic or an atheist, sit there in quiet contemplation. If you're a Muslim, go to that side of the field. If you're a Christian, go to this side of the field. Um, and if there's less of one group than another, then even though they're saying, no, no, you're not coerced, it's totally free. But then if there's, you know, 20 Muslims and one Christian and one atheist, it's like, well, crap. I know they say we don't have to go do this because it's free, but we really feel pressure and coercion 
that we need to do this. So that's and, where I would say on its face, it's innocent. And I would agree. And I would say it's fine. But in reality, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have some sorts of, of wills and coercion pushing back and forth. So I'd say like the public school has traditionally made a stance that, no, we're just going to abstain from all of it. So these type of things don't happen. I think that's correct, because otherwise so, there's there's too many X variables. So on a rabbit hole, just on the side. A coach giving a prayer, and this is going to go into a little bit of oppression reason that we don't do this anymore. A coach praying before a game. What is that coach praying for? Well, I think before that, like, yeah, I missed vote, but yeah, that's a good point. Like the coach who, by the way, I think was rehired. I, I don't, I may get some of these wrong, but I think the whole, the whole thing of the coach praying, because, you know, like teachers can't lead prayers and can't lead religious stuff. Uh, wasn't it the coach was like, praying by himself, like exercising his own right, like not not trying to ask or encourage anyone to join him. There's a dispute about that. Like, yeah, there's some okay, dispute right. about that. Okay, so that was like one of the claim that from his side, that would be the claim, right? Like, I'm just a coach. I'm not asking one. I'm just right. Like, yeah. Just and talked about, and, right? and like, to your oh. point, yeah, to your point, it's different when a coach does it versus when, yeah, no, exactly to your point earlier. Uh, right. Can, but, but the thing but but the thing that's the same though is that's just like we talked about like oh we're gonna have you know a student-led muslim prayer over here um it's totally free will you don't have to join but if there's 20 muslims and one christian the christians you're like well crap um i know i don't have to join but i really feel a pressure to join and yeah so i think it's better just to abstain from all of that right so that would be but a lot of people at the time when religion and prayer was being okay, we're not going to pray in schools anymore. That was pushed back on as, oh my God, we're being oppressed. This is horrible. We can't practice our religion. How dare they tell us we can't pray was the repeated claim, even at the time. Even today, you'll find people saying that, oh, this coach, woe is him who can't pray to God anymore. But I'm still curious though. This coach, so the reason I bring this up is because some coaches are praying for victory. Some coaches are praying for no injuries. Some coaches are appealing to God to change his mind on whatever his previous plan was to now be more in line with the plan of the coach. Please be in line with my plan to not have kids hurt and to let us win. And or they're, so, aligning, with, or they're aligning with God in prayer that that's always what was going to happen and they're disagreeing with him. Or even if the coach is praying for the death of his opponents, I mean, not very much in the will of God, but if you're an atheist or another religion who believes the Christian God is false anyway, then who cares? You think he's just doing word, word salad for a God that, you know, doesn't exist. So no one should have a problem with that, except the Christians who are like, bro, don't play for the death of your opponents. That's bad. But people are going to, people are going to be people, right? So people are going to scream and cry and throw fits. Just like you said, Christian, you know, prayer being taken out of school, Christians are crying oppression. Um, not all, like me, by the way, but, you know, Christians will cry about it, just like we talked about the books, where they're trying to say, it's the don't say gay bill, which had nothing to do with it. Um, and the, oh, they're persecuting the LGBTQIA plus people on the, on the community by removing these books that discriminate against us, when the actual reason is because they're sexually explicit, even though there's like heterosexual acts taking place in there. So people will falsely cry and whine over anything because people are just pedantic and crybabies. So whether or not it's true persecution or not, people are going to cry that it is regardless. Well, there's moral panic on all sides, though, Nate. I mean, it's not as though conservatives yeah. don't don't yeah. engage in moral panic for things that aren't real, too. But yeah, I, I think. Oh, I know. Yeah, I don't no, think I, you were I, saying I, that. 
I, I don't think you're saying it, yeah, but I'm just saying I, sometimes there is this notion that there's only one side that does that, and I agree with you that it, that it really is sort of a human problem. Right. You're, you're not wrong, AP. So, so, like, here's my thing, is that in a pluralistic society, it becomes more and more difficult to have something akin to a public school, okay? Um, a worldview, no matter how you're teaching it, is going to be taught. Right now, the worldview that is being taught in public schools is a humanist, atheist worldview, period. End of story. Do I want to send my kids to public school to learn from an atheist, from an atheist humanistic worldview? Absolutely not. Do I think for Christians, it is sinful to send your children to public school? Yes, I do. That is simply my position. Pay my tuition, I I will pull my kids out right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think that, uh, you know, like with our Christian school, one of the things that we're working on, um, and not to, to give the farm away, but we're working with the board to make sure that we stop accepting Catholics. Um, <laughs> of course. Right. Well, because they of course. The papists are next. All right. No, I'm sorry. I'm kidding with you. Because papists, because papists are not actual Christians, and they don't have a Christian worldview. And so what happens is... You get all manner of craziness that starts coming into the school, and we've like had good work. Yeah, I know that stuff is. Crazy. We've had well, we've had uh, we've had people advocating for left wing causes to start coming into the Christian school, and we're like, no, sorry, um, you're you're just not going to do these things, um, you know, and uh, because we're paying a crazy amount of money. To have a Christian school with a Christian worldview that we agree with, go to the public school where they teach your worldview. That's all we're saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to push back. I just maybe get to the weeds, Nate, and it's your room, so I don't necessarily want to push it in that direction. But what we, how we define secular humanist, and I think I might also push back on, on sort of a, the, the liberal, no pun intended, use of kind of the left wing, right wing dichotomy, which I'm not sure is, is, is helpful in these kinds of discussions, but. Yeah, I mean, certainly the choice of having a public school so that you can you can teach your children according to a worldview. I mean, my kids are in private school for very similar reasons. Um, I absolutely understand. I, I just I think the the notion that this secular humanism uh, and and, and left wing and this kind of stuff just feels like the moral panic that they were talking about a few minutes ago, to a large extent. So that's the only way I'd push back. But we could we could probably get to the weeds, Nate, and it's your room. I don't necessarily want to do that. So, and Chris and I have talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. I have a different room about that. I, I don't necessarily think it's. I think a lot of the examples we hear are moral panic, but I think that, that I think that I could demonstrate that there is a secular humanist worldview being taught as the the default curriculum in, in public schools. I, I mean, it's certainly an argument. Yeah, I just I don't know that it's a full stop. You know, it's a period. We all agree with that. That's all I'm saying. But I, I take your point, Chris. You're, and you're right. Maybe that's something we can talk about. Another. Sorry, Nate. Go ahead. No, no, it's good. I'm brushing my teeth. What's up, Kevin? Good morning. Um, I just had a question for Chris and Nate. Um, If uh, you had uh, some, off the top of your head, some defining differences between a secular humanist, humanist worldview and a Christian worldview, what would they be? God? I mean, as far as functionality. Like in 
in practice. As far as functionality, um, morality. If done, if done, yeah, if done the the way I I would imagine, on the surface you wouldn't see a you wouldn't see a whole lot of difference. Chris said morality, and I would say like the big stuff, like you know, murder, cheating, you know, like robbery, like like the big moral stuff. Um, we would all look very similar. Mm -hmm. um, Christians would have um, more in that pile. So, like, you know, the secular humanist probably wouldn't put a lot of stock in swearing is bad um, or, you know, uh, illicit sex or, you know, sex workers um, or, um, Agreed. you know, m multiple, multiple partners or, um, you know, f different relationships. Bible would call fornication. So there would be some stuff on the morality thing that Christians would have more of. I think on the surface, that would be the big noticeable differences um, on the spiritual side. Well, one would acknowledge none of it and the other would acknowledge all of it. Uh, go ahead, Chris. You were saying something. Like that. Thanks. No, that's yeah. I mean, you know. All right. Yeah, I was just uh, a, lo a lot of times I, I view them functionally as almost identical with just a few few differences similar to what you were saying. But yeah, <clears throat> thanks. Sure. I mean, and this is this is the the. This is the main thing that we're dealing with at our Christian school right now is because five years ago, um, suddenly the the mix of the school went from 100% Protestant to 30% Catholic. Um, you know, people are, like, a whole bunch of the parents are very upset that there are certain ideals that are not secular humanistic ideals that are being, you know, taught and enforced at the school and you know this this very large set of parents is getting very upset and uh you know there's two things happening one is that there is the school is just removing those kids with the most vocal parents um you know and you know and, and, wow, and again really? there's dozens Chris, can you give me an example um yeah, there were parents upset that there was a sexual relationship going on between two high school students, and that is that is an expulsory expul. How do you say expulsion? Some type of expulsion type of event, and the parents were getting you know they were trying to organize people to say that this wasn't wrong, that this was fine, this is a natural part, yada yada yada, which completely goes against the handbook, which goes against everything that the school stands for, um, and so those those kids were were removed. Um, the parents were removed from the school. Um, the people that sided with those parents, their kids were removed from the school. Yeah. But that's not tolerated in Catholicism either. Like, I agree Catholics aren't Christians, but, like, I that's not to tolerated. School. I went to Catholic school my entire time, uh, stopping at my sophomore year, and nothing like that would have ever happened at a Catholic school. The Catholic school would have been perfectly tolerant. Yeah, I went to Catholic school. They didn't push religion on you at all. Well, yeah, I mean, as far and I don't know why I don't know what what it is about Catholics. I mean, I'm sure we could we could talk about it. But I mean, it seems like, you know, the stereotype of Catholics, because, you know, like I I mean, I knew someone who was a Catholic in, in my high school and, you know, they're they were like super Catholic. So like very, very conservative, very, very pious, you may say, like they they really like, you know, the, the stuff like the strict moral code, like Catholics say they follow on paper. These people did. So like their whole family. And, you know, like if Catholic schools or most Catholics you meet were like these people, it would look very different than what you're saying, Chris. But I don't know why. 
because it's a <clears throat> false religion. Anyways, I don't know why, but over time, the stereotype of Catholics is, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, like in the political spectrum, kind of like rhinos, right? Like Republicans in name only. It's kind of like Catholics in name only. So, I mean, you know, most Catholics would do just fine in the in the secular world that you're talking about because it's, I, I don't know why, it's like Catholic Catholicism is like really flourishes in like big urban areas and big cities more than like small rural communities. So they're brushing elbows more with other other people who um, have less faith in them and, and they like take on, you know, their, their stuff. Um, I don't know what the actual reason is. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's going astray spiritually so long that this has kind of creeped into their church. But, you know, what Catholics believe like on paper is very different than what the most Catholics will accept and tolerate and believe in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, so I would point out that distinction. Would you say that's fair, Chris? Like if Catholics are really like, you know, because if you, if you go to a Catholic priest, you're like, hey, you know, can I, uh, you know, hook up with sex with whoever I want? I imagine they'd say, well, well no, that's untypical. Um, but then you see the practice and they're like, yeah, I'll do some Hail Marys and it's all cool. So would you say that's a fair thing? Like if they followed what's uh, on paper, it would look very different than what is actually practiced. Yes, Nate, you're amazing and right. Look at that. I've silenced everyone. Let's see. Um, I, I have another question, I guess. What, sure. Uh, I'm an atheist and I'm not not religious at all. Um, and so I, I wouldn't understand why Catholicism is no good compared to, and, and I don't know what denomination you would claim to be. What, what would be the, why is Catholicism false compared to, and what, what are you? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm non-denominational Protestant, uh, Pentecostal background, Pardon. if that helps. But, it, you know, people, okay. I, mean, I mean, again, ask 10 Christians, you'll get 12 answers. Um, some like Chris are a lot more rigid on this, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, the main, the general main reason people have Protestants have a problem with Catholics. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the Reformation, everything, besides them killing lots of us, is um, they they do so many things that are extra biblical. They're unbiblical. So you know, they would say like um, Protestants, like myself and most Protestants I I've encountered, would say, look, the Bible is all we need. The Bible is our relationship with God. It's what God wants us to know. Therefore, we we don't need um, we don't need all this extra tra tradition that. Catholics consider equal to scripture. Um, we okay. don't need, we don't need this structure. Like, you know, the, the Pope who, you know, tries to trace the lineage back to Peter and say, you know, Peter was the first Pope, like because of church tradition, like we don't need all this extra stuff. And as a result, um, the Catholic church, we believe has, has increasingly gone from, from the time it was, you know, uh, brought up institutionalized, organized until now it's increasingly gone further and further off the rails away from Christianity. Um, by doing things that. that are outside of the Bible. So that, that's the big problem we have. So like ultimately, like there's very, very few things you can, you um, can't mess up in Christianity. And, you know, I'm not going to say Catholics aren't Christian because we don't know, but I'm going to say the Catholic doctrine, like the, the institutional Catholic church has got yep. some serious problems um, that, that are contradicting to just reading the Bible. So like you as an atheist could mm. probably just read the Bible and be like, all right, now that's what the Bible believes. And that's what, or that's what the Bible says, and that's what Protestant believes, because that's the only book we need. And this is now what Catholics believe. And you could probably spot real fast and be like, oh, well, that's not what I read in the Bible. That's different than what I read in the Bible. That's not right from what I read in the Bible. So that's why. Yeah, yeah and deny I've always, always wonder why there's so much extra stuff in Catholicism. It just, I've always been curious, like, how did that 
How did yeah, that come to be? You know, the thing where you got the Pope and the smoke and just all that nonsense. I don't know where the hell it came from. It was, but well, you, you have to extra. understand that a lot of that is. So, if you under, do you know the solos? So, like the five solos? I definitely do not. Uh, so, like the main one that they're talking about is sola scriptura. Like, by scripture alone is like enough to like understand God's word. Catholics and Eastern Orthodox and probably other denominations are going to deny something like that, that God also gave like other methods to like understand God's like message to like the world or his people. And so one of the things that they'll say that also God was, has like left behind are either like the church itself or like the traditions within the church. So one of the things that they'll say is like, like the Catholics have like all these extra things because part of the things that was left behind was like tra- traditions, for example. And let all me right, just bring up sense. real fast. Uh, Abba, so you know how I always say I will defer to you on things like, you know, Judaism. Um, there is something to what you're talking about, about, you know, no true Scotsman fallacy. Uh, but there's also, it's actually correct. So like if I said, um, Abba, I'm a Jew. And you're like, well, why? And what makes you think that? And I'll say, well, it's not my heritage because no one in my family lineage is Jewish. I don't follow your religion. Um, I actually think it's wrong and I follow Satan, hell Satan. But I'm a Jew. You'd be like, well, well, no, you're, you're actually not. And then it, that would be akin to me saying, no, no, it's the no true Scotsman fallacy. You just say I'm not the right kind of Jew. And you're like, well, well no, you're, you're actually not in anything by your own admission. Like, here's what it means to be a Jew even on the, the more liberal side, like, look, like we're, we're going as far as we can to make it a not true Scotsman fallacy. And be like, you could be a Jew by this or just by religion or just by race. Um, so even as far liberal as you can be to make someone still be called a Jew by most Jews, I would be so far outside of that that you'll be like, no, bro, it's not a not tr- no true Scotsman fallacy. You're just not a Jew in any sense of the meaning. Now, what um, is- I mean, just... So I would say it's something like that. So that's what we're talking about. Not necessarily with like with Catholics. Like I said, I don't have a problem with Catholics necessarily because um, a lot of them actually don't even know their deeper doctrines. But the Catholic Church the institution, big problems. But let's just, you know, let's go for something because um, like Jehovah's Witnesses, right? So that would be something that, you know, the rest of Christians, even Catholics and Protestants are like, no, you are not Christian because they can call themselves Christians. They rarely do, but they, they consider themselves Christians. But we're like, well, no, you mess up Jesus. Like, there's few things you have to get right, but the things you have to get right, you still manage to mess up. Like, you, you don't say Jesus is God. You say Jesus is, you know, um, the, the brother of Michael the archangel. Um, you know, you, and like you say all these other things that are 100% contradictory. So it's not a no true Scotsman fallacy. It's like in no sense of the biblical word Christian, are you a Christian? Uh, Alberto, I think you were saying something. Yeah, there's like a more... Uh, easier way to show like what the fallacy really is is like when you say X's are Y's and Z's like Christians are sola scripturas and they follow Jesus or something like that um, you're laying out like the groundwork for what it means to be a Christian and so what the fallacy is is laying out the groundwork and then being presented a scenario where like you would maybe want to still call them a Christian or, you know, an X, and they do not fit that other criteria. And so, but you would make a special exception to maintain those criteria. So that's like what, 
Like people can adopt any name they want. Like I could call myself a Christian and I don't believe in God. Like that that's a real thing. They're called Christian atheists. But nobody's going to call them like real Christians in the sense that like you want to call yourself a Christian. That's just like a mouth sound that people are using, but it's not what they mean. And that's like where the importance is when you talk about that fallacy. Yeah, it's a sketchy fallacy because there are minimum requirements for things to qualify. You can't just say you're a whatever. I'm a book. And, and then, yeah, and then claim, oh, well, you're using the no true Scotsman fallacy because that needs to be unpacked, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, a lot well, of welcome, Betty. What's up, Betty? How are you doing? Are you speaking? Hey, thanks for letting me talk, guys. Take care. Oh, sure. Stick around if you like. Uh, Eddie, if you're trying to speak, we don't hear you. If you leave and come back, sometimes that fixes the clubhouse bugs. Hollywood, what's up? Hey, good night, everybody. How you guys doing? Um, it, just something just blew my mind because I heard um, it's possibility of having a Christian atheist. Can I have a little bit more of a, a clarification of that? Because it's quite a, quite a big statement. That Sure. These are, I mean, I don't think, I would not call them Christians by any of the normal standards, but they want to call themselves Christian atheists. I mean, I think somebody that's probably going to be like the biggest person that you know that might conform to that's like Jordan Peterson. And essentially they just think that like the Bible is a good book that tells you like some really good rules that kind of follow. Jesus was a good guy. He's got like a good role model. But like all of like the God stuff that happened in it is all false. All of that stuff is false. They don't believe in the God. It's just all the like morals and stuff are things they want to follow. Right. Nadia Boltz Weber is um, a Lutheran pastorix that is a Christian atheist. They follow Jesus in a godless world. Rob could probably almost get behind that a little bit, right? No, no, because I actually think a lot of the teachings of uh, Jesus are poor, in my opinion. But Golden rule versus platinum rule, am I right? That's one of them. I mean, like, realistically, the Sermon on the Mount is problematic pretty much in, from beginning to end. So I have some. All right. Well, you're an atheist atheist then. Hey, Vic, what's up, Vic? <laughs> Are hey, um, yeah, sorry. Um, I um, had to make a call, so I just came back in between the conversation. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, well, while you think about it, Hollywood, do you have anything else on your mind? Um, not really, just listening. Oh, it's uh, Hollywood. Oh, my bad. No, if you remember what you're saying, go ahead. But uh, yeah, Hollywood, what's up? No, I just. um trying to um to learn more about um um the claim of christian atheist so just reading a little bit i'll i'll come back to you with that oh sure sure chris uh, it sounded like you were pouring coffee a second ago are you having your morning coffee indeed and you know i don't think i could say it's uh sinful necessarily to send your kid to a public school because first of all not all public schools are the same so if you want to say just by, by way of not sending them to a specifically Christian school, that is sinful. I mean, I guess you, you can make that claim. It may be challenged. But to say that, you know, sending them to a public school because public schools are inherently evil, I mean, also probably true. But I mean, you know, some public schools, like I, I hope the one, you know, we're sending our kids to, um, the elementary school, like uh, they've been there for several years. I know a lot of the teachers. And unless I'm being totally duped, 
it seems like, you know, these teachers are very, very old. They've been there for a long time. Like they're, they're really kind of traditional, like the basics, like they do their jobs. Um, so I, I hope that, uh, you know, they are not doing a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, by all well, evidence, it would say they are not. Um, so I, well, I, I wouldn't say it's inherently I, sinful, but also I, I would love, a little I, I would, okay, well, I would love to not send them to a public school, but, um, you know, private school is not cheap. It's pricey. <laughs> it is very pricey. Yeah, our, our, our school is 1200 bucks a month, 12 years, and, 12 months and then out I, of the year. I can hear Rab saying right now, well, it doesn't matter the cost because isn't their eternal soul worth it? Yes. No. But if I said, but if I said, here's my debit card, charge whatever you want, we're going to make sure this card is fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, w- I, w- I would counter with a different argument. So it's more of like, so this is the trick here is that Chris said it was sinful to send your kid. And if I say it is not great, schools aren't great. Let's just change that for a moment to make my argument easier for me to get through because sin is makes it really hard. But if I said school is not great to send kids to because they don't teach the Christian worldview, I would counter with, but that's the world they're going into and they should be exposed early so that they can be, you can teach them while they're at home, all of the things that they're going to see later. If they live in your Pollyanna world and then are encountering it later, they might not have the resistance to arguments so as presented. So you should be strong enough in your faith to let them be challenged so that you can present all of the extremely good reasons for them to decline it. And I do think there's Agreed. value in that. I, I, and like, you know, the Bible says, if we want to follow this book, we believe is true. You know, it talks about training them up in the way should, they should go. So when they're old, they won't depart. So does that mean you should, you know, tell them what you think at age 10, 15, and still have them like, you know, having con- competing theories and ideas? Or should you really train them up in the way should, they should go? So then when they get out in the world, they won't depart versus, you know, everyone has equal access to your child at the same time. Go ahead, Chris. So what I would say is like the thing that I'm doing with my kid is he is exposed to all manner of nonsense now that he's 13 and he is starting to build a critical thinking set. But when they're five, you know, and some teacher hands him a copy of, you know, whatever offensive book Nate was talking about before, now I've got to do damage control and they have control of your kid for eight hours a day. I see my kid for three or four hours a day and longer on the weekends and depending on how much video games they play. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a difference in, you know, how, how you raise kids. And, and again, I, I think sinful was maybe a bit too far, but what I would say is I think it's unwise um, for small children depending, and again, depending on the school. So some good friends of ours, um, my best friend's wife is a kindergarten school teacher who, you know, she teaches, you know, um, the curriculum, but then, you know, there's certain parts that she's just going to avoid, you know, that are going to be like instantiating that secular humanism. Would you support like any kind of uh, radiological, like if they taught in middle school about how radioactive decay works, would you oppose that? If they do it at five, yeah. Because no, no, middle be school. Like, I'll be like, what'd you learn middle today? Be like nothing. No, I have no, no middle, idea what middle school. Sorry, middle school. <clears throat> I mean, like, Chris, would, I you, would you? Yeah, Chris, would you oppose like teaching 
here's how radioactive decay works. Here's how we measure it. We're going to do an experiment in class to measure it. Would you oppose that kind of teaching? That could lead to people doubting the age of the earth as purported by the Bible. Well, if a cat has a tongue, I will say that, you know, my kids aren't in middle school yet, but when they are, I would definitely want them to have the opposing ideas of all the other people who are their peers. They just got, you know, scooted out of the consensus. Um, so it could be a consensus who say, no, here are some problems with radio radiometric dating because of this, this, this. And then if everyone's like, oh, that's crazy. Ah, ha, ha. That's not, that's nonsensical. Well, at least they heard it. Um, no, so no, I, no, I wouldn't no. want it to be. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Not radioactive metric dating. I'm saying, like, if you're teaching radioactive radio radio decay, decay, just the decay part. So you're going to measure it. It's going to experiment. Here we are measuring it in class. We can see when the sample was created. We have it three hours later. We notice this. And you teach all of the fundamentals that go into radioactive metric dating down the road. But you're teaching, these are how people are doing radioactive decay dating right now. If you said that, would that be a problem teaching that methodology? I guess he's still not speaking on its face. Um, I would say no, but, but basically just full sweep, anything that there's a uh, competing idea of, I would, I would want them to have the full information. Like, I don't care if it sounds crazy. Um, I would want them to have it. So like there They'll are teach people that say, well, look like th they would They'll say teach the flat earth. Well, like for example, like teach the controversy, what? go okay. with the flat earth that, because that, it's, it's, that, an, wait, it's an viewing that, standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey that, that may be one of the most extreme examples. So let's talk about that next. But I would say as far as the radioactive, the decay, um, let's see, what am I trying to say? Okay, so the things you can observe versus the things you have to extrapolate from your observance, make a note of that. So since I can't sit here and like pinpoint each and everything, I'm saying basically anything you're going to teach, teach the opposing view, teach all, teach all the information you can. I mean, of course, you know, it's like there may not be enough time in the day to teach everything. So you'll be subjective to a point. But, you know, the top 10, the top three, whatever. So like if people say, okay, this is how we measure this. This is the case. We can see this and we can see this in a lab and then try to extrapolate and say, therefore, that's how we know this from billions of years ago. Like, wait, 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 consider this point. Just because you're observing it now, does that mean it works the same way over billions of years that it does right now? Just make that point. Does that make sense? Like, I know you can't go point by point for every single thing that's way too litigious. But instead of just like blase passing over it well, and be like, this is how it is for all time, it's worth mentioning some well, of the other critical points. So I, he I hear you, but at the same time, then where are you stopping this line? Because if someone said, I, don't I can't know. believe you only taught the, the, the globe Earth model instead of the flat Earth model. I can't believe you taught um, the sun is the center of our solar system instead of the Earth is the center. Everyone knows geocentrism is correct. We have a ton of literature going back thousands of years that show how geocentric model is the better model. Like if we, would you go down these, each one of these is no, we have to explore these theories that have now been effectively, if not totally disproven and disqualified through all the other things going on there. Would you say, despite the fact that the theory is totally discredited, we're going to teach it equally because it's the opposing. For Yeah. for I, I don't know where you draw that line because for me, that would be a bridge too far. Like if I were the teacher, I, I couldn't do flat earth justice. Um, so in theory, sure. But you know, that's what I said about too much information. You can't do everything. So um, in theory though, yes, you would have someone like if I were the teacher, I would probably not do it justice. I would be like, okay guys, and this is why the world is um, 
the world is a globe. And some people think the world is flat. Ha ha ha. So see, like I, I couldn't even probably do a good job to that, but I'd be like, well, look, a good way to know this is we have live observable real time rockets taking cameras to space. So as it goes up, the earth looks flat. You keep watching it, assuming there aren't demons messing with the, the camera lenses and it's not like, you know, photoshopped or edited, then, uh, yeah, you just watch the camera. It goes up and up and up. And now you see a curve. Now you see a curve. And there you, there you see with your own eyes, the earth is round. Like that's how I would do it. Um, and they'd be like, if you don't believe me or if you, whatever, if you think the earth is still flat, I guess go watch YouTube channels. So, I mean, I, I think the flat earth for my subjectivity would even be, uh, I would have, I couldn't do that one. All right. But like, so the teaching both sides is limited by the teachers being able to swallow it kind of thing. Well, no, it's also limited by time in the day. Like, I mean, the Bible's limited because it says if all the works of Christ were recorded, there wouldn't be enough paper in the earth to hold them. I mean, was that a metaphor? But the point is Jesus did a lot of stuff. So, I mean, we're also limited by finite time. Like, if we had infinite time, I would say, yeah, find a teacher that can swallow this stuff and just teach everything well, and, you know, just go through the whole thing. But, I mean, I think more than the teacher's, um, the teacher's ability to deal with it and swallow it and teach it properly would just be the finite time we have on Earth. Sure. The, like, in the sense of radioactive decay, the, the, sure, in radioactive decay, they can make the call, we're teaching it like this. There's no reason to teach any, quote-unquote, opposing viewpoint, just like there's no point in teaching opposing viewpoint to the spherical Earth. I don't have time. I need to move on. We're teaching the currently accepted process. We actually taught it. We demonstrated. Move on. Why do I need to stop and console people who may believe otherwise than what this leads to? Well, first of all, we've been wrong before. Like if we only taught that the Earth was, you know, 14 billion years old, uh, the universe, and uh, then that's all. And we're like, you know, don't ask questions. This is why. This is it. This is how we know. And then we find we never taught that, you know, we could be wrong. Like science is the most likely and assigns likelihood to possibilities. So we believe the earth is most likely this old. Um, instead of saying that, if we're just like, nope, this, this old, that's how it's always going to be. Deal with it. And then we find out, oh, we're wrong by a billion years. We're like, oh, well, crap. Oops. Um, instead of saying, well, and, you know, it's most likely this. It's open to change. You know, the theory of gravity. And by theory, we mean it's basically fact. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, because of likelihood, I mean, it's worth noting that the earth could go upside down and you could fall off planet earth because, you know, gravity is all wrong. But as we've known it for entire, entire, you know, history, um, seems pretty solid. But is just it? keep that in the back of your mind. If you start floating off the earth, that could be why. And then, but I mean, sure. ultimately we have a system in place. The school boards decide the curriculum. So instead, well, hang on. So instead is of it? talking about, oh, ah, hang on. So instead of talking about me, if you really want to know what Nate would do, put me on a school board and then I guess I'll give my opinion. But we have school boards. So like parents and school boards, you know, should be deciding the curriculum. Ultimately it's the school board, but they are supposed to listen to, you know, the parents, the faculty, the experts, like, you know, the, the teachers, like the school board is supposed to take all this into account and then ultimately decide on the curriculum that's taught. So we have systems in place and that's systems in place. And that's why not all schools teach the exact same things uh, because their school board will decide differently. And I mean, I think that's how it's worked. And um, you, you see, there's, there's some problems with that. No system is perfect. Um, but I think that's that's the best way we have is get a collective group that the community votes on to be on the school board seats and those elected officials uh, decide what's taught. Would you be OK then, like with I believe it's either Michigan or Wisconsin that's passing a law to ban the teaching of any topic with the word theory in it, because that would be false. So they're and they're trying to capture, of course, evolution as a theory. But they swept up cellular theory, gravity theory. Like basically anything, electromagnetic theory, all of those were 
swept up with it because they banned the teaching of the word theory. Okay, so if you're a, a man of science who wants his kid, or um, you know, a gender-neutral rabbit of science who wants his kid, their kid, to be uh, you know taught a more scientific manner where theory is not just a guess, then I guess you would have to do what Chris is doing for religious reasons and pull them out of that school and put them in a private school or move to a school district. I mean, you know, that's where you, you vote with your dollars, you vote with your feet. So, um, you know, Chris uh, yeah. felt like, you know, do you think it's a good thing? Religious. No, but do you think it's a good thing to do that? Do you think banning teaching of anything with the word theory in it is a good thing? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I think it's important to note what theory means um, and explain that. But no, I if, it, if I were on the school board, I would say, uh, no, I'm not going to ban stuff with the word theory, um, even though I'd love to ban critical race theory, because that is a theory that is not in the same realm as uh, like gravitational theory or something like that. So um, even though I would love to ban it because of that, I'm not going to ban it because of the word theory. I'll ban it on the merits of the argument. So that's like banning things with the word I don't know, some other word like that's that's in my humble opinion, silly. So if they're doing it for a motivation like you surmised, um, I guess their mission is accomplished if that's how they go about it. But no, banning banning like multiple things with the same word just because of the word, some stuff that you probably don't want or is going to have unintended consequences is going to get caught up in that. So no, um, even if I wanted to ban stuff that had the word theory in it, um, I would ban I would push for a ban on a certain thing based on the merits of that, not sweeping up all kinds of extra stuff with it. Gotcha. So, what would you do, Rob? Yeah. Um, oh, and just a quick question. I don't know if you want to answer this now or later, but what do you think about the evolution theory as a Christian? I think that kind of touches on what Chris, uh, Rab was saying about, you know, the, um, the decay and stuff like that, like that, I mean, that would play a part in the evolution uh, topic, at least quasi related. So uh, anyway, so the Christian standpoint, Christians that believe in the, in evolution, like I don't, I don't really care. Like as far as biblically speaking, um, I believe um, not going to say no true Christian, but I mean, I, I believe, I guess I am uh, the true biblical approach is if you have a literal Adam and Eve and they're, you know, they're these created beings by God who disobeyed this creator and, you know, allowed this thing called sin to enter the world. Um, I, I really think that's about the only part of the Genesis account um, of humanity that you can't mess up because you, you need that to be, you know, biblically accurate um, because otherwise then you, it's a metaphor or you, you don't have um, a created being by God. So as far as the, the theological part, you would need a literal Adam and Eve um, created beings by God. That being said, if people want to believe in some way like theistic evolution or, you know, um, somehow they can reconcile the Adam and Eve were literal, but, you know, the rest of us were slugs out of ocean or deposited by cosmic dust. Um, but as far as the first humans to have a soul, um, they were created by God and maybe everyone else, I don't know, evolved with a sin nature like the Bible would say. Um, I'm not going to try to make their argument for them because, you know, there's there's too many. But that's what I would say. As long as they want to say they're a Bible-believing Christian and they can reconcile that there was a literal Adam and Eve made by God, and that's what allowed you know mankind to have this like sin problem that you know the Bible redeems them from. I would say they can believe. It's like I said earlier, you can mess up an incredible amount of stuff and still be biblically saved. That's what I'd say. 
Uh, Hollywood, would you like to respond? Um, um, yeah, um, sorry. Uh, no, I was just listening to your, um, your explanation on how that works, but I guess you, I mean, because we are just, um, um, cherry, no, I won't say cherry picking, but I, I, I'm pretty sure we could, because we're trying to make sense of the word in a certain way. We could, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of Christians will justify the, the reason why uh, a literal Adam and Eve, I don't know if it's, you know, the, the, these two people or um, how evolution fits to that narrative. Some people will make it fit in a certain way. Um, so is kind of, um, you could justify the science that we know about how things are, and we could justify um, uh a story of um, like creation. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I got the question. If if there was one. No, no, no. It, no, it's not a oh, question. Okay. I'm just um, okay. stating that they, some people could co they both could coexist in a certain way. They they could both be justifiable for um somebody who believes in um, creation it could justify that evolution happened uh, as a tool of god to to get to a particular place and then fill out the holes with adam and eve to mean something else uh, yeah i mean as long as they got from from my perspective as long as they got the, the literal adam and eve like you know evolution is exactly how the scientists who say that say it except you know god intervened and the, the first creatures that had a soul um, was handcrafted by God, and every and that was a one-off, and everything else was exactly you know how how they say like if they, if they can reconcile that fine, I, I don't believe that's conflicting enough with the Bible to be like no, you're not a real Christian because they've they've got the things that that you need to be to be you know biblically um, um, in line biblically, um, but I also don't don't believe that I I think like people who take the theistic evolution approach, um, I question I'm sure there's some that really believe it. But I think a lot of them do it as a cop out to like make it easier on them to uh, stand up to resistance. So it's just my my hunch that a lot of theistic evolutionists um, do that and take that position because it's easier. Because they're like, no, no, we don't have a problem with evolution. Evolution's totally how it happened because you know God somehow. Um, I, I just imagine that's their stance versus um, how many of them actually believe that's the way it happened. Um, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure there are plenty of them that actually believe that. But I think a lot of them, they do it because it's just easier. Uh, James, what's up, James? How's your day going? <laughs> it's good. I'm just uh, tickled with this conversation. That's all I got to say. Dr. Ray, what's up? Hey, Nick. Good to see you. Um, probably some sentiments of James. Um, I, I get concerned when... Um, we have conversations on any level, on any subject, where um, when it comes to evolutionary thought, that there's a particular absolute truth when we're so insignificant in terms of the glory of God that we will never understand fully those things. So the rational mind application on something that we cannot put into rational mind because simply that's the point of a supreme lord over us it, it, that i find that interesting sometimes when we overthink it with our little brains i'll leave it there i would be curious as to how that the literal adam and eve could 
coexist with the explanation of evolution? Um, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, the minds of the people that think this, but I would just imagine trying to trying to help them out. I would say, you know, if evolution is fine, just how people say how it's taught in the schools, um, then, you know, it's also certainly not taught that humans have a soul. So they're not speaking to that to contradict it. So the Bible teaches that people have a soul. So then if evolution happens, just as you would say, James, up until at some point, no one has a soul, nothing has a soul. God handpicks two creations to makes two creations to have a soul. And from there, um, somehow um, all humans spawned from them are, you know, humans with a soul and everything not spawned from them continues on not having a soul. And at that point, I can't see a contradiction with evolution because um, as it's taught and understood by you and, and others in the secular world, there would be no contradiction because no one in the theory of evolution is going to posit the existence of souls. So I would think it would have to be something like that. Everything's created just how evolutionists say. Nothing has a soul by their own admission. Uh, or maybe they would say they don't know if it has a soul, but they're not going to positively assert it has a soul. God comes down, hand, handcrafts two humans that have souls. Everything spawned from them now has a soul. Um, it would have to be something like that, that an evolutionist would be like, yeah, I don't know if we have this thing called a soul or not. I've never seen evidence, so I doubt it. But um, yeah, if they want to think that, then fine. I would think it would be something like that that would be um, not heretical biblically, and evolutionists wouldn't have a problem with it because they they couldn't, unless they're going to say now they believe in souls. Nate, could I add a point to that? Um, sure. It, 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 and start with the Christian belief in Thessalonians. We're tripart. We're made up of the spirits. Um, we're made up of soul. And we're made up of body. And the soul is often um, qualified as the mind, emotion, and will. So in the realms of psychology, sociology, anthropology, um, people do in the sciences, particularly in the social sciences, except that there is a soul. Um, we exist and we have cognition. We have an effective heart response and we do things in life. So I think in a non-Christian way, most non-Christians that might be in here at the moment will think in a body and soul world way. And then there will be those, and you're quite right here, that only think in a body way. But as a Christian, through faith, um, we are justified because we accept that there's an existence of a metaphysical power called the Holy Spirit. And any debates about being a Christian or not being a Christian are always going to be challenging when someone doesn't accept the, the spiritual realm. So I just wanted to add that. I, th I think you're, you're right. I think there are degrees. There are some people that are only defined by body, proof, physical, natural sciences. There are those that say that the soul and man's input has a point and there are those i would hope that anchor themselves in christian faith that we are tripart just as the godhead is so thank you uh manual welcome um yeah how's it going Nate? um and good morning or afternoon to everyone in the in the stage or in the, the room in general i just had a question um i was listening to um, the Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And he said something kind of interesting. Um, and I was having a discussion with a friend of mine about it. But like he said, um, he said something along the lines of, 
um, we can't and we shouldn't um, separate the attributes of God. Um, I forget what else, what, what else he added to that. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, like, what do you think of that? I guess, I guess because um, I think he, he's positing that, you know, when we say God is love, um, I think everyone has their own definition of what love is or their own view of what God is to them, um, Christians included. So, like, I was just wondering what you thought of just the idea of, like, separating God's attributes um, from each other as opposed to, like, them all being one and the same. God is love, but God is also love. God is also, um, God is also, I guess, all the different attributes that he has to himself. So, I was just wondering what you thought. Go ahead. I had a little trouble following that. Um, are you saying that? Yeah, I, 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 I'm um, not sure I got all of that. Let me, let me, give me one second. I'll just, I was listening to it on audiobook. Give me one second. Uh, well, if you're finding that, let me say hi to Why Not real fast while you're pulling that up. What's up, Why Not? I'm good. Yeah. Anything on your mind today? Um, I'm not a Christian, so it's good. Nate, if you want to just continue um, discussion with Why Not, that's fine too. Well, did you have it ready? We can go ahead and listen to a clip if you want. How long is it? Maybe a minute or so. Give me a second. Of the Godhead who was present in the world even before. I don't know if you guys can hear. Yes. Yes, we hear. He became incarnate in human nature. The word made and be at the same time a moral light enabling every man to distinguish good from evil. The universe operates as an orderly system, not by impersonal laws, but by the creative voice of the imminent and universal presence, the Logos. First, tapping on trees and stones and whispering, are you there? Are you there? To the God they hoped might reside within. In complete humility, the instructed Christian brings the answer to that question. God is indeed there. He is there as he is here and everywhere, not confined to tree or stone, but free in the universe, near to everything, next to everyone, and through Jesus Christ, immediately accessible to every loving heart. The doctrine of the divine omnipresence decides this forever. This truth is to the convinced Christian a source of deep comfort in sorrow and of steadfast assurance in all the varied experiences of his life. To him, the practice of the presence of God consists not of projecting an imaginary object from within his own mind and then seeking to realize its presence. It is rather to recognize the real presence of the one whom all sound theology depart from any apprehension of him on the part of his creatures. 
the resultant experience is not visionary, but real. The certainty that God is always near us, present in all parts of his world, closer to us than our thoughts, should maintain us in a state of high moral happiness most of the time. But not all the time. It less than realistic to expect it. As a child may cry out in pain even when sheltered in its mother's arms, so a Christian may sometimes know what it is to suffer even in the conscious presence of God. Though always rejoicing, Paul admitted that he was sometimes sorrowful years, though he never left the bosom of the Father. John okay. 1.18 So is that about the culmination of it? Yeah, I, I can't find the specific part where he talks about God's attributes and all that. But and I yeah, I guess my question really isn't going anywhere. I was just wondering about just um like you talked about God's attributes and how um it's it's important that we see them all as one, not separate from each other essentially. I forget what um what he said specifically. But I was just wondering what you I mean, that. if I'm if I'm guessing right, I would say it's like a holistic approach to God. Just like, you know, if you say God is love, but then why is why are heads rolling in the Old Testament? Well, because God also, you know, carries out justice. So, you know, God has grace and mercy, but you know, there's also a day of the vengeance of the Lord. So I mean it's not like God is I mean, you know, God is holistic, just like, you know, uh, on a much less scale, like, you know, humans are created in the image of God. You know, we have this mind, will, emotion. So it's like, you know, you may be a man of peace, but right. you, you can also be a man of justice. So if someone wrongs you, you may think it's unpeaceful to carry out a sentence um, and retribution upon someone. But then yeah. they'll say, well, you're supposed to be a man of peace. But it's like, I'm also a man of justice. So it's right. not like one thing. We can't pigeonhole God. So if that's where it's going, then I would I would say we agree. And I agree. And to a much less level, you see this carried out with humanity. Okay. Yeah, I never thought of it in that sense too. Just that. Yeah. The, I mean I mean I think as a Christian I think we all understand that there are different attributes of God and, and you know, God is loving, he's also just, he's also he's not cruel, but he's I mean, I guess that depends on the person's perception of what is kind, what is cruel. But yeah, I was just that was that was essentially it. You can continue. Oh, well, why not? You said you weren't a Christian. Did you have questions about Christianity? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, uh, I'm an atheist. Um, I have never taken any philosophy class. Uh, but from the way I experienced my life, uh, I, I, I I don't see how um, a God who lives in heaven or a God who lives in the sky or wherever, you know, actually have an impact on my life as in someone experiencing life the way I do. So um, is, is there anything I'm missing? Um, if I understood that, like how a God that lives somewhere else could have some sort of um, impact on your life or something. I'd say, well, you know, yeah. at least, so, I mean, at least for Christianity, we believe, you know, God is everywhere. So, you know, we believe there is a, there's a place called heaven where, you know, it's like told where, you know, God, God resides, but we also believe God, you know, is, is everywhere. 
So we believe that, you know, he is very impactful in this world, like living around us with us. You know, the Bible says, you know, um, if we follow Christ, God will actually live, live within us. So everywhere we go, um, we are in the presence of God to some degree. Um, so even though, you know, God has this, this place he resides called heaven in Christianity, we believe that God is, is everywhere all the time. Mm. So can, can you explain that a little bit? Like a God residing at a specific location, but then infinitively existing everywhere at the same time. Is that not a logical contradiction? Well, no. So, well, I mean, like what you just said, like if God specifically resides in one pinpoint, then how can he reside everywhere? Well, the <laughs> conclusion is summed up in the question. God resides specifically in every pinpoint at every time. So it's not like we're saying God resides in one spot and then everywhere. It's by a, a different way to say that would be God resides everywhere all the time. So, yes, God resides in, in heaven. God, God resides on earth. God resides, you know, the Bible even says in the, in the praises of his people. So, you know, uh, everywhere. So you could either say God resides in every specific spot ever at the same time or God just resides everywhere at the same time. It's different ways hmm. of saying the exact same thing. So um, an infinite, you know, um, God like that. Um, but yet, in a way, I don't believe in him, but I have a normal life. Um, I live a life that um, it's, 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 it's quite a normal life to me. And I don't see how, you know, it's, it's necessary to fix him in the equation. So I want to find out, like, what is so special about a person fixing this God into the equation of the person's life? Like, what is so relevant about an infinite omniscient being, omnipresent being, you know, actually having an effect on um, someone like me who is still living a normal life without, you know, this God? What is this unique thing that I am missing? It's being reconciled to your creator. So you said you've never had a philosophy class or anything like that. Look, I'll just I'll just like start um, with something that then you can build on. I mean, I have like 30 minutes, but, um, you know, we, we can. I don't know how familiar you are with Christianity. So I'll just give you like the nutshell. And it's basically that there is this Christian God, we believe, that created everything. And the Bible makes the claim that he is everywhere, omnipresent all the time, and that nothing was created without him. So not you, not me, not Adams, not this planet. So we're told that, you know, without God being everywhere and sustaining this creation, then basically nothing would exist that exists. So it's all because of God. And then we're told that when God created humans, Adam and Eve, this person, Adam and Eve, he told them not to do one thing. Well, they disobeyed God and they did one thing. It was to eat this of this fruit of this tree to gain knowledge of good and evil. And they disobeyed God and they did it. And because of that, that's what's called sin, which is basically something that is against God. So if God says, do this, and you don't do it, that's sin. So anything that goes against God, that's this thing called sin. And that separates us from our creator. And the Bible tells us, you know, it makes us at enmity, like on God's bad side with our creator by rebelling against him. So because of that, Adam and Eve, the first humans, we believe, this thing called sin entered the world. So whenever humans are born, it says nothing about living a normal life. Like the Bible says, you know, Bad things happen to good and bad people. Good things also happen to good and bad people. It, it's nothing to do with that. Like people can live a, live a seemingly normal life without God, 
but we're told that, you know, our existence, this is one step, like we are infinite beings, we're going to live eternally. Um, so when this matter and, and this world ends, we believe in the spiritual continuation. So there's going to be the spiritual type of life that exists beyond this matter, this material world we're in. So, so that's it. That's ultimately the reason. So when the Bible talks about salvation, it's like being saved, like basically being reconciled to God to be on God's good side. It means recognizing that, that God came in the form of a person, Jesus Christ, and lived a perfect life, gave, him, gave himself up for us um, because of his sacrifice. If you're familiar with the story at all, he was crucified on a cross. He was put to death unjustly, and he did this willingly uh, so we can be reconciled to God because it's it, us atoning for our own mistakes is impossible. We needed someone else to do it, and it had to be God himself. So that's the message of Christianity, and I'm almost done. But just to finish up, that's the message of Christianity. God himself reconciled us to him. So anyone who says, yes, I'm willing to step out on faith and believe this. I believe that Jesus is God. He died for my sins, for the things I can't make right. He made it right for me. All I have to do is confess this, that Jesus is Lord, believe, you know, he died, he rose from the dead, and ask him to save me, forgive me, and make me born again. He says, you must be born again. And it's a spiritual rebirth. So that's Christianity in a nutshell. So the salvation does mean it has implications for here in this world. We believe that's how you can be content with things. You can be at peace with things. So even if bad things happen, you may have someone who is not a Christian or not a Jesus follower. And, you know, their world is burning down around them and they're freaking out. They're panicking. They have anxiety. They're ridden with all this stuff. And you have a Christian who a similar thing is happening to. And they're like, your world is burning down just like mine. How are you okay with this? And they're like, well, I'm not okay with it, but I, I have peace and I have an understanding, you know, that God has got me and I'm going to be infinitely okay. And I just have this peace that passes understanding. So there are ramifications for here and now and in this world. But ultimately, it's not about making good people, uh, bad people good or anything like that. It's about making spiritually dead people alive. So when we take our last breath here, we will forever be living reconciled at peace with our creator in this place called heaven. So that's that's Christianity in a nutshell. And all that takes is someone to dare to be like, you know, I think I could believe that. Let me pray to this Jesus. Ask him to, you know, if you're real, if you're there, I want to follow you. Save me, forgive me, make me born again. Give me this eternal life you talk about. That's what I want. I'll do that. That's all it means. That's thousands of years of Christianity in about four minutes. Mm. <laughs> that was good. That was good for four minutes. <laughs> Okay, so uh, mostly when it comes to like re religious beliefs, uh, it's it's quite very common that most of the ideas uh, somehow they they have to explain it. M most religious um, people who are actually religious, they have high communication skills. Uh, they can articulate these belief systems so well. And if you're a highly reasonable person listening to a Christian explain their philosophy, you could see clearly that this guy is making sense. Uh, but I, I barely see you guys like actualizing those beautiful ideologies into the real world we live in. It's like something so logically coherent, but then uh, in the world we live in, I don't see it work. And th this is what I mean. I'm not saying Christianity is 
um, is not useful or something. You know, at least we should have some resonance generated from your belief, something that we can actually see happen. Uh, for, for, for example, yeah, you have a, a piano, right? So piano, it's, it's purely physical. You can touch it. You know, and uh, you, you can believe that, okay, I, I, I'm a pianist. So when I sit down, uh, combine some few notes here and there, I'm going to produce a sound, right? So the, 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 the playing of the piano is what generates the sound. The sound is something you cannot touch, you cannot feel, you cannot see, but it's real. We, 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 we can see that. But from what you guys believe in, it's like... You, you you're busy playing pianos that doesn't really make the sound. I'm, I I I have no problem if um you 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 believe in spirituality or uh, believe in some type of metaphysical you know existence, but I, I I don't know like the connection how the physical or what you do like the prayers uh, the the readings like how you convert the physical into something spiritual or how you deduce. Yes you know, the, 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 the sense of spirituality from the physical, like what is the connection between uh, the, 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 trans, uh, the transition from what you do, the daily religious activities that you do, uh, the transition from that religious, you know, activities you do into the spiritual realms. Like what is this, you know, mode of transition actually? And how do we prove uh, I'm not using proof in, in the scientific sense. I, I just mean like, how do we show that actually what happened is highly based on the prayer you said yesterday or two years ago? Yeah, so for me... It, it, because it's I, like I mean, you're playing I, piano, well, but <clears throat> there are no sounds to it. Yeah, well, for me, like there is an internal orchestra going off. So for me, if if I if I did what the Bible said... Like, I think that's a test, how you can test religions. Like, you know, whatever the religion you're looking into or the philosophy, do what it says if you truly care. If someone doesn't care or they just want to get a, a intellectual knowledge, then you can know it but never practice it. So if you want to test the veracity of, of someone's claim, do what they say. So for some other religion, they may say, well, you know, you have to do this and this and this, and then you'll know the religion is right. And if you do that and it doesn't work, well, that's evidence against their claim. So for me, the Bible, like what we just talked about, right, it's if you – exercise some faith that everything we just said like you talked about the death burial resurrection of christ he says he can give you eternal life just pray to him and ask him to forgive you and save you and make you born again if you do that and absolutely nothing in your life changes whatsoever you see no benefit no value and i don't you know i mean the, the goal is to not be prideful to be sincere to be humble to be seeking this god so i mean i'm not going to say you, you know you didn't do it right or you did it wrong like i'm not playing those games I'm just saying, like, when myself and most Christians do this, um, the Bible says you must be born again. He says Jesus can give you eternal life. If you pray to, to Jesus, he can forgive you, and he will live with you and guide you. The Holy Spirit will live with you and guide you into all truth and understanding. So whenever I, I read these things, I'm like, okay, do I stop now? And, like, you've just heard me. So I'm like, well, as looking at Christianity, you've just heard what Christians believe. You've just heard what Christians have said. Um, so now are you just going to to have this intellectual knowledge like, OK, I know Christians believe this. They just told me this. But are you going to, after we leave this conversation, actually practice it and think, OK, well, I want to see if there's anything to this Christianity thing. So this is what Christians have said. And by the way, you should fact check me. You should read the Bible. Um, the New Testament's where the stuff I'm talking about starts with Jesus. But 
assuming I'm I'm correct, which I am, read the Bible. But these are these are the way to to check Christianity. This is what the adherents practice and believe. So it would go something like instead of just hearing like Christians believe that stuff, to praying and saying, Jesus, I just talked to these Christians. They say I need to talk to you. I don't know if you're there or not. I'm going to be humble enough to, you know, take a step of faith and not think I'm crazy talking to something that doesn't exist or the clouds or the thin air. Um, if you're there, show me, right? Reveal yourself to me. You say we have, the Christians say that you say we have to be born again. I don't really understand everything about that, but I want that. If you're the God of the universe, if you created me, if you created everything, if you can, you know, reconcile me to yourself and give me this eternal life you speak of, I want that. Make, make me born again. Make me saved. Give me this eternal life. I want that. That's where your, I believe your exploration of Christianity should start. And for myself, the practicality of it is when I did that, I can point to a specific time in my life when I knew this stuff, I was raised in church. I kind of mulled over this. Um, I even said the prayer a few times. I'm like, you know, Jesus, if you're there, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to know. Like, I, I really want to know what truth is. I really want to know this stuff. And looking back, I can tell there were some times where I actually wasn't all in. Um, I, was, I was just kind of like looking around the edges. Even though I said the right things, I could tell like the position of my, my heart or whatever wasn't, wasn't quite all in. And then I can, I can, looking back, it's easy as day. Like looking back, it's super easy. But at the time, I was just kind of feeling my way around the edges of this idea and stuff. And there's one moment when I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Like I, what, what is what? I don't care if I look like an idiot. I, I really want to know. If you're there, and I was going to say the same prayer I'd prayed before, but I could tell something had shifted, like in my mindset and my like mentality of it, and I, I was going to finish the prayer, like if you're really there, uh, let me just give you this feedback, like if you're really there, I want to know. And before I got halfway through that sentence, I could just tell there was a shift in my own, um, I, I guess heart set, if or in, however that makes sense to you, and I was immediately aware of like this spiritual realization. Not like goosebumps, not a feeling, not like warm, fuzzy stuff. It was just like a, a really awareness. I'm like, you know what? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's all so clear now. Just just like that. I'm like, the Bible is true. This is right. I, I totally understand this spiritual world um, just like that. So I would say that would be what I would encourage you to do is now that you've talked to Christians, talk to this God Christians are pointing you to. And I would say anything other than that. Um, you know, if you say you're in a seeking position and you really want to learn, um, it would be illogical to do anything other than that. Um, that's what I would say. I was well, going to ask why not. Where are you from? You're from Ghana? Well, hang on. Let me respond yes, quick. Yes, um, uh, go ahead, I'm from respond. Ghana. Yeah, um, Okay, so... Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see how you're actually answering the question. Um, you you're saying that okay you after you've gathered the information you have to practice it yourself but the question is the question is more of how do we determine the the connection between the religious activities or things that you involve in as a Christian how do we tell that those things actually worked right well that so yeah, that well, well, sorry, not wait, to cut wait, you off, wait. but I, well, 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 that's that's what I was saying. Like that moment when I did what the Bible said, 
and I immediately just realize this, the spiritual connection, the spiritual existence, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to be able to let you look in my head and prove it to you, but that's how it became more like real than just like words on paper. Like at that moment when I did what this Jesus in the Bible says to do, that's how it was practical. That's how it was realized. Like, that's how I'm like, yeah, I don't just believe this for no reason. Like I actually experienced this. I witnessed this firsthand. I have a connection to the divine. I have a connection as tangible as anything I can imagine to this creator God who it, it's so real now. So practically, like you, you said, I thought I answered your question, but just to explain it more, that's how. So like I did what the Bible said and something actually happened that I'm totally aware of in my life. And I've seen changes ever since. So, so that's to answer your question, how it actually mattered. Uh, unfortunately, um, we, we, we can't, you know, uh, attest to that. Um, you, you're right. making a, a good claim. And I'm not saying that you, you, you're wrong, right? But um, the, the kind of evidence that you, you're given, it's, 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 it's more of like a personal experience thing, right? A subjective experience with the God divine. So it's, 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 it's something that I don't think you can use this as, you know, a basis to convert or to help someone become a Christian. And uh, let, let me put, put it in a much more consumable way. This is what I mean, that we can say that there is a slight difference between knowing something to be true and showing something to be true. They, 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 they might sound the same, but we know that there are a lot of things you know personally, but you can't really, you know, um, outline uh hardcore evidence or somehow have a, a an empirical data to basically prove the things you know right but well um, knowledge exchange uh, an ex uh, exchange of knowledge between two people or three people four million people most definitely the knowledge should go beyond just what you know it should go it, 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 Whatever you know, if you can't show it to be true, then we can't take it to be true. Well, why? Hang on. Why? I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but you're, you're kind of going off track. Like, I, I'm what I'm no, telling no, you. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, well, you, hang you, on. I, I, agree, I agree with what you're saying. What I'm saying is you shouldn't believe me just because I'm telling you about my personal experience. I'm not saying you should believe because of that. What I'm telling you is you should do the same thing. And I guarantee you're not going to need to ask about anyone else. Like you shouldn't believe just based on what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to do what I'm telling you. And when I'm, if God of the Bible proves himself to you, you're never going to need to ask about anyone else's experience again. You'll be like, you know what? I did what these Christians say. I did what the Bible said. I encountered the God of the Bible. I don't care if it's subjective. I don't care if I can't empirically third party verify it to anyone else. So I'm not trying to convince you based on my experience. I'm telling you, you know, I'm encouraging you to do what Jesus says to do, to pray to him directly, and then you'll never need to ask anyone else for evidence again. You'll be the one telling other people to do this very same thing while they're asking for evidence. And you'll be like in my place being like, bro, if you just do what the Jesus of the Bible says to do, you're not going to be asking anyone else for evidence. You're just going to be asking them to do the same thing you did. So I, I hope that makes sense. Don't believe because I'm what I'm telling you. I'm saying do what the Bible says to do, 
and let us know your results. But one more thing is if you want empirical, the closest we're going to get, you know, God's not going to put himself on a platter to let you look in his brains. Like, you know, when Jesus, even thousands of years ago, people are wanting him to do signs and wonders. And this is after he's already done signs and wonders. So, you know, he can do it. I mean, if you believe, you know, history and the writings, so, you know, he can do this, but they're wanting more. So of course he can do it. He's already done it. But he says, look, the only other thing you're going to get is the sign from, you know, it's the sign of his death, burial and resurrection, the sign of Jonah. So he says, that's the only other sign this wicked and perverse generation is going to get. And this is on the heels of him already doing signs and wonders. Um, so if you believe history, if you believe antiquity and the writings, you've got eyewitness accounts, like many eyewitness accounts of him actually resurrection, uh, resurrecting. So if you believe you know, history and, and verification of authorship at all, you've got natural evidence. Uh, but I'm saying, do what I say. That's why I said it would be illogical to do anything else. So to say that, well, why should I believe based on your experience? You necessarily shouldn't. But what I'm, I believe you should do is pray to this Jesus all by yourself, and you're never going to need to worry about another Christian's experience. I hope that helps. That's all I got. Yeah, I was a Christian. I tried what you said. It just didn't work. And uh, I you said you're an atheist. To, I, I was okay. Christian. I tried it. It just didn't work. And that's why I walked away from Christianity. That's the first point. The second point is, talking about history, you and I know very well that human history that we have today is buried and swallowed up with a lot of unrealistic claims that you and even if you look, not just about Christianity, but if you dive way back into those antiquity times, you realize that there are a lot of belief systems existing around that time that today uh, modern men at least have a sense of, uh, you know, somehow concluding that those ideas were just some pure convoluted ideologies, right? But let, let me let me let, let me come back to. Um, the, 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 what we're talking about before that. For me, I'm a hardcore pragmatic person. And what that means is I don't care what is true or what is false. I don't, uh, what is true or what's false, right? I believe in what actually works. So you can have an idea, which is an idea that is logically very coherent, an idea that makes sense so much. But if you can't utilize that idea, the three dimensions of space and time that we live in, I don't count that idea to be anything useful. And therefore, I don't really care about it being true or not. Right? So, if so, Christianity... So that applies to anything that you can't touch or feel, so just base materialism? No, 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 no. I'm not a, a hardcore materialistic person. I, I believe that there are things that goes beyond... Um, the physical world that we still don't know what but it is. But you just said that those then, things are useless. So which is it? No, I, I never. You were, you weren't listening. When I, when I use the term pragmatists, this is what I mean. I mean things that works. I, I'm not saying that things that are material. It's oh, two different things. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think work. human. I, I guess, I guess, my question to you is, what do you mean? What do you define as working? Like this yeah. thing works. How does love work? If, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Which one am I answering? I think. Well, well, yeah, we're getting a lot of stuff, and I do have about eight minutes. So, um, talk, uh, address Emmanuel's first, and then, uh, then Chris. I guess um, the reason why I was asking whether you're from Ghana, because I'm from Ghana as well, and so I'm interested no, okay. as to 
I'm interested as to how being, I'm assuming you're in Ghana still, like how, like, I guess with Ghana, you know, everything and culture and all that, like we're very much influenced by our upbringing and um, our environment. So then with like all the super uber spiritual stuff around, around us when we're in Ghana, or if you're in Ghana, like how, 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 how does like, I guess, how does that all um, kind of involve or influence the way that you're thinking about Jesus or the way that you're thinking about religion? And why do you think that we need proof or you need proof, like cold, hard, imperial proof? empirical proof for everything that you, you're seeing because you know in Ghana there's a lot of things that we can't explain that happen but they happen still or they quote unquote work so I was just wondering where where your belief comes from you know specifically to you yeah so I, I come from a Podlang uh, full of Christian uh, activities right that's the land I come from Ghana is one of the most religious countries in the world. So I have a fair view of what Christians and uh, religious people do, right? So, and I, I, I wouldn't say that most of their belief system don't have um, like pragmatic, you know, utilities to them. I, 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 I actually believe that even not just religion, but culture, as a whole, it's not really a, a physical thing, right? There is more to uh, the, the various cultures in this world than simply uh, the materialistic patterns that people might, you know, claim. So I'm not making the claim that if something is non, if if something is claimed to be non-physical, then that thing is not useful. That's not the argument. I believe human consciousness is not something really physical. I don't. I, 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 so I, I'm I'm not I, I'm not claiming materialistic uh, kind of view at all, right? But what I'm saying is that when you say when you start axiomatically that there is a God, okay, that that's your basic uh, presupposition that there is some type of uh, eternal being that actually caused everything to be, and for that reason we need to serve Him. Right. And when you serve him, these are the benefits you get. Right. And I'm saying from the world I live in, I don't see any of those things actually working. That's the point. So it's not about whether the world is material or not. Well, I would, I'm, I'm more I'm more interested well, in the claims. I'm, I'm getting, claims I'm getting what's going on. So we're well, talking I, about I, a lot of the well, folks <laughs> there are word faith, Nate. So like they believe and name it and claim it and they believe in like. Oh, you can't get disease, and they Very believe in so. you know you can be wealthy. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Uh, no, well, as far, well, well, as, far as, as yeah, as far as benefits, like I, I got to just but say something. Sorry, Chris, I promise I'll shut up in a second. Hang on, but uh, whenever you said you have a fair a, a fair uh, thing of what uh, Christians say, I'd say you have a fair representation fair representation of what Christians in Ghana believe. Um, and I know there's also I don't know about Ghana specifically, but I know like in Nigeria um, and West Africa there's a lot of mysticism mixed in with it. 
So beyond this word faith, Chris, but it's, I mean, you know, it's too, but there's a lot of like Christian mysticism and it's like almost like witchcraft to a point. So I'd say you have a fair representation of what Ghanan Christians believe uh, being there and raised around it. But I'd say for myself, I see practical evidence all, all day, every day. Like, you know, I would say I'm a much more uh, well-refined, peaceful and content person, uh, you know, with this relationship in God. And I can't credit anything other than God to this. So as far as practical benefit, I would challenge that all day long, and I guess we just have to argue personal experiences, but I don't care um, because I'm, I mean, you're specifically targeting a personal experience. So if you um, haven't seen a personal experience or a personal benefit from these other Ghanan Christians, I'd say I would challenge that all day long. I would credit this like undeniable peace and contentment um, specifically to this God of the Bible. And without him, I would not be nearly as content and peaceful as I am in my life and just have this peace. Uh, that being said, um, well, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I'll shut up now. Okay, can I respond quickly to that before um, Chris comes, comes in? Because yeah, sure. um, all, all you're saying is that a group of people living down there in Africa, they, 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 they are quite getting it wrong, right? And you seem to somehow figure the, 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 the true Christianity out. Um, but if it, I heard you talking about antiquity. Even if you go down to the first century, Okay. Um, I, I, I've always, not always, but I know historically Christians have always never believed in the same thing. And we know that on, on, on a, a clear historical basis, we can say Christians right from antiquity had never believed in the same thing. They all had divergent ideologies, even though they had similarities between them. So the practice of Christianity hasn't, has not consistently been the same. That's the first point. And, whether they are believing in the wrong thing or not, right? My, my, my major, you know, concern is when you start axiomatically with any type of presupposition, right? At least we should see the manifestation of that. And if we can see it, you know, in the world we live in, if not see it as in, in a physical sense, but if we cannot experience the utility of that presupposition, then there is no point in holding that to be true at all. But that's that's but my claim. It has nothing but, to do with instead well, of no, Christians but, living somewhere. I guess I'm I guess I'm a liar. I can't shut up. But what you're claiming, it's like a walking contradiction. Like you're like depending what you're talking about, because you know the claims of Jesus are very, very natural, except with certain things that you can't, that are non-tangible. Like the biggest non-tangible claim of Christ is this heaven that awaits you after this world and this spiritual existence. So without that, the claims of Christ, um, you know, he says, you know, you can get healing, you can get, you know, deliverance from demons, you can, from oppression, all this other stuff. Um, you know, so there are a couple of supernatural claims, but most of them are very natural. He says, look, if you follow me, you know, take care of the hungry, take care of the widows, take care of the poorest among you, you know, visit those who are sick, heal those, give them comfort, give them blankets. So these are very materialistic, natural things, just like what you say. So you can see many of the followers. That's why, like, we have most of the hospitals, you know, were started by, by Christians. And you see all these natural things that you're trying to tell us you don't see. You see them, like all these natural claims, like healing the sick, you know, uh, helping, being all these people, feeding, feeding people, taking, uh, giving clothes to the homeless. All these things that are supposed to be these works that Christians do, they're doing them and you see them. That's why we have like 90% of the hospitals in the world and, you know, the outreaches and the charities and the homeless shelters and all these other things are because of people's solid belief in Christianity. 
So what you say yeah, but, you're huh. not seeing, we are seeing. The only thing you have a the only thing you have a problem with that you can't see is this eternal part that is after you die in this life. Then you experience heaven. So what you say you want is there on full display, unless it's not really what you want. Now I promise I'm done. Yeah. But the the, the Greeks were practicing um, medicine way before Christianity was born, right? You go to um, Egypt, they were practicing um, medicine uh, way, way back, right? And most of our knowledge in modern medicine, not just medicine, but modern, most of the modern sciences we have are basically resonance from what, you know, these uh, ancient uh, Egyptians, Sumerians, and uh, those Greco, <coughs> uh, those uh, Greco-Romans actually practiced, right? So I, I don't know why you're making it look like, oh, it's because of Christianity that's where we have most of the churches, uh, most of the hospitals and schools. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's also because of the uh, because of Christianity that's why we had Inquisition. It's because of Christianity that's why most of the countries in Africans uh, in Africa was actually colonized by Christian countries. What about that? So d don't just you know like rip a line of, out of the uh, Christianity, uh, the history of Christianity, and make it seem like that's all Christianity actually stands for. We've seen Christianity brutalize people and, and cause a lot of havoc and chaos to the Middle Eastern countries. We've seen how Africa has been degraded, demeaned, and distracted by these same uh, convoluted thinkers all the way from Rome. So please, please, whilst you're busy talking about the beautiful things that Christianity have, have done, don't forget about those... Uh, uh, you know, negative stuff that they've actually, and probably uh, people living outside, especially in America and those places, has not really felt that the negative impacts that Christianity has actually brought on your people than uh, we the Africans. I, I okay, can't great. even speak my own uh, to, 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 to the fullest. And okay. everything that is is, 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 is somehow uh, I've, I've grown to uh, learn is somehow tied to these same Christ Christological concepts. And the reason why I think even Africa is not going as it's supposed to be is because of these same white people or these same Christians who came down, used the Bible as a basis to, you know, enslave us and uh, okay, take advantage so, of us. So I, I did so, say I wasn't going to talk, but now I have to. Cause don't I have talk to about hospitals I'm... without talking oh, oh, about oh, Hang on. Bro. Okay, stop, stop. Okay, so now I have to talk because I have to end. Um but I just want to notice the progression of this. So it started with, I never had a philosophy class. I, it seemed like I was unfamiliar with, you know, he was unfamiliar with Christianity. And um, then as it went more and more, it's like, you know, open to learning, open to hearing what Christians believe. Turns out he was raised in, with Ghana Christians his entire life, is very well versed in what, quote, Christianity believes and speaks. And then it turned in to now they have colonized people and done atrocities. And when I pointed out that, you know, people can be right. So just by saying, you know, Christians can do good works doesn't mean no one else can. It doesn't mean Islam can't do some good stuff. It doesn't mean atheists can't hand out some food baskets. So the point is the claims of Christians are, yes, you should do these good works. The fact that other people do them too, great. That wasn't your argument. Um, and then it turned to now we're colonizers 
and you can't speak your own language because of Christians. And then it turned to the Inquisitions. Well, that was first. Which, by the way, you don't have near as many problems with the Inquisitions as Christians who were not Catholic had with the Inquisitions. So I think I've got that one. So, you know, Protestant Christians um, have, have, I think, more of a stake in Inquisitions were bad than you do. Just saying. Um, and then it turned into colonizers. And then it turned into white people for some reason. What the heck? So I don't know if, um, you know, it, it, I don't want to put all atheists in, in a certain pigeonhole. But I think at the end of the day, there is some pent up animus towards God that people may not even know. And even if they say it's the concept of God or something like that, um, at least don't act like someone is so peaceful and just wants to learn and is open. When you're going to start, you know, combative Christianity and after 40 minutes of our time, then be like, okay, after 40 minutes of our time, be like, oh, well, it's all now peaceful, and now it's colonizers, and then white people, and for some reason, because white is synonymous with Christianity, the first Christians were not white. So I, I think we could probably leave race out of it. Um, I, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, in good faith, if you don't believe in a God or you say you don't believe in a God, but you definitely have a problem with the concept of God, just lead with that. Like, you know, we can we can handle that. That I would I would much prefer someone to be open and honest than to talk in good faith, like someone who's just questioning and just has some sincere questions, only to find out they've got some deep-seated hate towards either God that they really believe in or uh, the concept of God in Christianity uh, that they don't believe is real, but they really hate the concept of God. Um, so in either scenario, um, be a good faith actor. I think that's all we're saying. So anyway, I do have to run. So thanks for this, and um, everyone have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks, Nate.